Hello everyone, this is Oserera with the O3XX series, and with me, my hermano Tyler Pollock. Today's special guest is Dagan Van Oosting. A little bit about Dagan. Dagan is a 12-year veteran of the United States Marine Corps, as well as a 12-year veteran of the intelligence community. He has multiple combat deployments to Iraq and Afghanistan, to which he deployed in between 2003 and 2014. His time in the Marine Corps was primarily focused on scout cyber operations, as well as battalion-level missions and force reconnaissance missions. During his time in the Marine Corps, Dagan was selected from his peer group to be assigned as a primary field craft instructor at the world-renowned Scout Sniper Instructor School in Quantico, Virginia. During his tour at Quantico, Dagan was assigned as the FBI's hostage rescue team sniper liaison, as well as training a wide variety of mission partners from the federal law enforcement community to include the United States Special Operations Community. After leaving the Marine Corps, Dagan attended assessment and selection for a classified program for the United States government. He then spent five years in Afghanistan and Israel conducting operations in support of intelligence operations and the global war on terror. Dagan was selected once again to be one of four plank holders and architects of a classified program focusing on low to no profile operations abroad. He is the co-owner of Nomadic Research, an outdoor apparel and equipment company. He also founded and co-manages 102250 Inc., which provides global tactical consulting and patented product sales to military and law enforcement special operations communities. Dagan is also a proud husband of 23 years, a proud father of three, and holds a bachelor's degree from the American Military University in Intelligence Studies. We hope you enjoy this conversation. Semper Fidelis. <laughs> homie clint you know obviously you're you're regarded very high with him he's like dude you got to get up with my boy and this and that and <laughs> you know he he's he's always supported you know everything i've done and we've chatted and stayed stayed close over the years but um but yeah he's a good dude and i think this will be a good chat but, he's definitely one of my favorite people yeah <laughs> yeah so what do you just like, are you all over the place? You just living out of hotels and stuff, traveling, doing, doing work. Yeah. Or, can you see my fortress? Yeah. Solid I figured I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, yeah, I do. I, I travel quite a bit. Um, I'm in, I'm in hotels. I got a lot of Hilton honors points. I don't know if that's going to be worth it in the end, but at least there's a, a positive byproduct <laughs> all that time away. Um, yeah, I'm just kind of all over the place and, uh, you know, I, I'm, <clears throat> I'm, currently in Virginia and I'll be in Virginia for, you know, the better part of a month. And then I'll go home and chill out for a little bit and see what the next, uh, you know, the next adventure is. Right now. Well, I'm sure there's probably a lot of stuff you, you can't share with us. Um, but the stuff you can, as much as you like to open up, uh, we'd appreciate it. We've done this, like, especially with God, you know, grunts and specialty guys, I kind of like knowing where you came from before you decided you wanted to serve your country just to, you know, for me personally, just to paint the picture of like what pushed you in there. I mean, I saw you join in 2003s when you joined. Uh, 98. 98. So yeah. what did, I, I, I think it's somewhere in your bio, it says 2003 to 2014. Oh yeah. So the, that would have been so 03 was the invasion of Iraq. That's um, I, I got you. I yeah. Got you. So I there's probably a typo on my, you know, my, my so you were pre you were pre uh 911 then. Yep. <clears throat> That's yeah. more so so what was that like? Cause we 
I always love talking to guys that were in before that shit happened because I'm like, they weren't there for that. And a lot of us, you know, we were still in high school, middle school, you know, some of us before we decided to join. So it was like, that was the reason, you know, that was the call to service for a lot of us, but you guys were already in there and there was really, it was peacetime. So, so what was that like? Or actually dial back, let's go into, you know, how you grew up and what that was like. And then what made you want to join? Absolutely. So I uh, grew up in, in rural Illinois, Northwest corner of Illinois, super rural, you know, graduating class, like 68 people, um, you know, farm town, right. Everybody's, everybody's a farmer and it was fantastic. You know, um, and, and just like every kid, you know, when you're growing up and go grow, growing or going through it, you're like, man, I can't wait to blow this place. You know, like this place sucks. Ah. You know, and then, and then you 100%. get a little older yeah, you get a little older. Like, yeah, this is not too bad. But uh, uh, yeah, um, uh, dad was a Marine, entire, you know, father's side, but the Van Houston side, uh, lots of service members, mostly Marines. I've got one uncle that was in the Army, and he always totes the fact that he was the only smart one out of the group. You know what I mean? Um, younger, <laughs> younger brother and sister, uh, both both Marines, wife's Marine, wife's brother's Marine. Like, yeah, it's... Uh, it was, uh, it, it, you didn't, I didn't have to think too hard, you know, that was one of my original goals and, and it didn't change obviously, um, you know, until I decided to get out, but, uh, I did the delayed in- entry program and all that good stuff and, and just couldn't wait to go, you know, um, because it's all, I mean, I was just hyper-focused and centered, you know, there was nothing else. I didn't care about anything else. Like I just wanted to do that. You know, um, so yeah, went in, went in in 98, you know, uh, there, there's debate between my wife and I, whether I left the day of graduation or the next day, I can't remember, but, uh, you know, it was as soon as humanly possible, um, and, uh, was a West coast guy and, uh, yeah, um, enlisted as an 0311 on a security forces contract and, uh, you know, boot camp, SOI, all that good stuff that we all know about and uh, fast or security forces school, gunslinger school, as they call it, and ended up in fast company. And it, yeah, the, you know, the, the pre nine 11 um, was, you know, just a continuous training, you know, evolution, unless you were on deployment, whether it be a MU or obviously yeah. the fast company deployments are, you know, kind of different than from a MU deployment, but uh, no different than I'm sure it is kind of now you, you, you held the older guys that had, you know, Gulf war or, or Somalia, um, you know, combat time, you know, with, on, on a very high pedestal and uh, you know, kind of tried to wring them out like a wet towel for everything they had, you know, knowledge and experience wise. And uh and just kind of waited for the the big mish, you know, which didn't happen until nine eleven. So where were where were you out of in security force? Where were you stationed at? I uh, first fast company out of Norfolk. Okay, yeah, gotcha. um, or you know, fake ass SEAL teams, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, right. Everybody knows it. Everybody, I can say that because I was there. Um, and it was <laughs> it, it, and it, it was a fantastic unit. I tell you what, it was a fantastic unit. Because you had, you know, a, a platoon size element that had basically, you know, a, 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 other than toes, you had everything that was organic, you know, yeah. to, to an infantry, you know, company. I mean, 
mortars, you name it. Like, you know, my, my stack of weapons cards, you know, for the armory was like the yellow pages, you know what I'm saying? Because you had to be kind of trained on everything because you were such a small platoon mm. and uh, with the, with the kind of the Neo considerations, you know, cause God knows what would happen, you know, when embassy X gets attacked and I, you know, so I was, I was very, very fortunate because I got a lot of training, you know, that I probably wouldn't re- have received had I been a, you know, a, an 0311 in a, in a company, like you don't need to know how to work that modus. Like that's, that's yeah. what, you know, that's what the machine guns are for and stuff like that. Right. So I found it to be very fortunate, you know, to, to get that experience. Do you, I feel, I've never really asked the security, all the security forces guys, I'll say like the majority of them that we got, um, they were all locked on dudes, you know, and everybody, you know, in an infantry battalion dudes, you know, you don't pick up rank quick. So you're having corporals come in and they're replacing senior team leaders and this and that. So there's a lot of like bad blood there, but all the dudes that we got that were security forces were fucking locked in. They were good dudes. They knew their jobs. They, you know, were ended up a lot of more ended up being team leaders or squad leaders and they were just fucking great guys, but they got such a hard time for, you know, for being there, especially from the senior guys. And I've never asked a security forces guy, like what was the climate like in when you got to security forces? It was, was it, was it? Oh, okay. It was horrible. (laughs) It was horrible in the sense of because, because and we were stationed there on Norfolk Naval base, you know, and fast company was tucked way in the back, right next to the airfield. And there's, there was seven platoons but the platoons were always on rotation. So you may only have one or two platoons at the, you know, at the barracks at, you know, at any given time. Right. And, you know, you're, you barely ever saw sergeants corporals ran the the universe. Obviously your platoon sergeant was the devil incarnate and, you know, you know, senior Lance corporal was a, was a legitimate rank, you know, and, and because you were so small and these are the, you know, the shenanigans were, you know, um, at a high level because kind of out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. And there's only 40 of you. Right. So the, 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 the hazing rituals were robust. Um, and, uh, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> in, in I, I'm trying to paint a, you know, humorous picture because yeah, the first couple of months was just, you know, like, yeah, they would make us Groucho walk or CQB walk, you know, like we couldn't walk upright. We had to <laughs> ring out the towel and, you know, like if they caught us not ringing out the towel and doing the heel toe, like we were in the house, you'd get haze and, and, you know, and it was all, you know, they're, they're training you, you know, but uh, once you kind of cross that, you know, three months, four months, okay. You know, you're trainable, right. you're, you know, you're part of the crew and then it kind of lightens up, but uh it, it, it was a horrible environment at first, like checking into any unit at a, at a, you know, like I said, I, I didn't know which way it was up when I checked in. Right. You know, hmm. boot camp, SOI security forces school, and they were hyper, hyper vigilant. Um, and maybe vigilance isn't the right word. Like everything was to the nth degree, right? Like everything was, you know, almost overboard, like, the only thing I could equate it to, even though I never went to was like maybe DI school, mm-hmm. like the level of 
you know, just insanity about every single small detail. And it's because there's only 40 of you. So everybody's kind of, you know, Hawkeye yeah. and everybody else. And, you know, That's but a- it, you know, it, it was good. You know what I'm saying? Like all bad things eventually turn out to be good in some way, shape or form. It's like, I don't know. I don't know why I, I just had this idea in my mind that like security forces guys were just all buddies, you know, from the get go. And I don't know if it's like just because of the way they got treated by our senior guys when they got to the fleet, like, <laughs> you know, just everybody's got beef with everybody and you're not going to take my job. You don't, you don't know what the fleet's like. So I'm thinking, oh, security forces guys just got it cush, but everybody gets hazed in the Marine Corps if you're oh. like combat arms. So yeah, unbelievably hazed. And when I checked into the fleet, um, if my, if my, if my wife was on here, she was a Marine as well. If my wife was on here, she would, she would attest like, I, I took it, you know, if they were at a, at a 10, I tried to take it to a 15, you know what I mean? And when I showed up to the fleet, it was not well received. That's all I'll, to put it lightly, you know, like who is this fucking guy, you know? <laughs> um, and especially in a scout sniper platoon, you know, they were like, man, you better, you better downshift to, to first gear or, you know, that's not how it works here. Right. And, uh, yeah, thankfully I did. And uh, because I probably would have had a heart attack at, you know, the age of 23 or whatever. You're just redlining the whole time. All the time. You know, yeah. that's just how it was. You know, right. that's that it literally just is how it was there, you know. Um, and uh, yeah, so, you know, coming to the fleet was a culture shock to say the least. I did two, I did a year and a half, two years, give or take. Um, um, I actually had to request orders out of there because they were going to leave me there for the whole four years. And I didn't want to stay the whole time. Oh shit. You know, cause everybody talks about the fleet, the fleet, the fleet, you know, um, when you're, when you're in security forces and when you're, you know, like I said, when you're a, you know, a year and a half in, like I said, you still probably don't really know which way is up, you know? So I was like, well, I want to see what this fleet thing is that everybody's talking about. And mm-hmm. I want to go to scout sniper school, which they don't have here and blah, 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 blah. So I called my monitor as a corporal and requested orders and got out of there. So at what point did you, because I, you know, we'll get into this, but I know that was a huge portion of your career and probably life, obviously your life still today. But when did you realize you wanted to, you know, be to do with the long boy? Um, I, was I, Believe it or not, when I was a kid. Okay. What, and you know, my, my dad did a few tours in Vietnam and, uh, he used to keep all the, you know, the paperbacks, you know, like dear mom, you know, a sniper's Vietnam and, you know, blood on the risers, you know, uh, you know, lerp, lerp dogs and, you know, Navy SEALs in the Mekong Delta. And he would keep all those paperback books underneath his, underneath the bed in their bedroom. And I would frequently crawl under there and grab those books and then take them down to my room. And even though I didn't know what I was reading half the time, you know, because I was so young, I predominantly stared at the pictures, mm-hmm. you know, and I see these warriors, you know, these guys that are, you know, doing these, you know, things that look horrible, but, you know, ro- romantic at the same time. And uh, of course, read Hathcock's book. And I, I just always, I just always kind of gravitated towards it, you know? And so um, the, the minute I got a chance, that's kind of the, the direction I wanted to run, you know, and, and, and went that way. So yeah, a very, from a very young age, my dad used to joke around and be like, yeah, he wants to be Rambo when he grows up. You know what I mean? Like that's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be Rambo. Did you have any, I mean, obviously you got a family full of Marines. Did you do like quite a bit of shooting as a kid or did, was that 
Yeah. So yeah. Um, a lot of shooting, a lot of hunting. Um, you know, I can remember distinctly the old man, you know, sitting, kneeling, standing, which is the identical way to the way they still, well, I I would imagine the way he's got, he's got your little ass snapping in before you even know what that is. You're like, holy shit. You know, yeah. And, uh, and he did say, he's like, Hey, this is how they taught me, you know, but when you go pretend like you don't know anything type of deal, you know? And so, yeah, I, I just kind of took to it very, very early. And uh, luckily, you know, I was fortunate enough to, to have the opportunity to try out and then go and be successful at it. So, right on. So you, so you went, you left security forces, you went to one, one, five. Yep. One, five. Gotcha. Yep. And what uh, you were, were you Lance or were you a Lance at this point? Or I was, were you cor- yeah, you I were was a corporal. corporal. Yeah, I was a corporal um, and soon to pick up sergeant because I, I had a couple meritorious, remember, super small platoons, right, at Fast yeah. Company. So I'd picked up a meritorious in boot camp. I had picked up a meritorious while I was there. So I, I think I hit sergeant before the three-year mark, which... Holy fuck. Well, he's, a you sh- know, he's a shit hot Marine. And, it, well, and then I ended up being a sergeant for seven. So... Like, <laughs> <laughs> The They're like, we got to slow out. this down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Gotta... The, the shit definitely buffed out, you know. Um, But uh, yeah, I checked into 1-5 and I ended up, I checked in super early. Um, I got, I got bored on leave. So I checked in super early and it's, you know, telling it is kind of hilarious. But once again, it kind of lends credence to where Fast Company mentality was at. Like I walked up to the 1st Battalion, 5th Marines office and there was all these Marines just kind of milling about you know smoking and and fucking around and i'd never seen like that was unheard of you know what i mean and so and because i was a senior guy there i put him in formation and i did it in a loud and aggressive manner you know and you can imagine these soi drops were like the fuck is this (laughs) (laughs) and uh, it was a spectacle it was i was making a scene and uh (laughs) because that's what i where i came from that's what would happen and uh, I made such a scene that the sergeant major, his window was open. He stuck his head out the window and was like, hey, you know, who, of course, I about faced. And he's like, who in the fuck are you? And I told him where, who I was and where I was coming from. And he started going down this list of do you like. But And I didn't know what he was asking me at the time. Like my my concept of the fleet was zero. You know what I mean? And it's one thing they didn't do a very good job of it, at at security forces or fast company was explaining what the fleet was like, you know, because 90% of your platoon has never been there. Right. Yeah. They're all first, you know, first termers. Well, he's like, do you like boats? I'm like, they're okay. Sergeant major. He goes, what about helos? I'm like, they're pretty cool. You know? And he just starts going down the companies, you know, tracks, helos. And he goes, can you shoot? I said, well, I was the honor graduate out of DM school at Fast Company. He was like, come up to the S2. You're going to sniper platoon. And I was like, damn, oh, damn. here we go. You know, yeah. so <laughs> I was like, oh, that was easy. You know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah. And I actually come to find out uh, one of my platoon mates from Fast Company was in that platoon. So I immediately had like a friend there and yeah. uh, they had an in-doc scheduled. They also had a thing called the Cafferty Challenge, which was like this 52 mile dick dragger or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I just, that's, I was in one five stay and uh, I stayed there until I stayed there for three plus years, you know, um, that was 2000 and I left after the invasion. 
So, okay, so you were you got there probably right, right like a year before 9-11 or oh uh, my it, my brain is so bad. Yeah, I mean just timeline wise, you were there a little bit before you realized like it was a possibility you were gonna go down range. Yeah, yeah. It was uh yeah, so checked. I want I wanna say January of two thousand. I could be wrong, and then yeah, and then nine eleven happened. So wait, so so you were state platoon. Did you get to go to sniper school? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. How how long did you have to wait before they sent you? Three months. Oh Three shit. Months. Yeah. So it, it our platoon sergeant was um had been he was a ranger graduate, um super good dude. Um and his philosophy was if you're in the field Monday to Friday, you can't get in trouble. Right. So he would, we would just basically, we would insert Monday night, you know, we'd get an op order or whatever, you know, you get your op order, you do your patrol order, you'd brief, you'd insert on Monday night, you'd extract Friday morning, you'd clean guns, you'd get your next op order that you worked on over the weekend mm -hmm. and around and around and around we go, you know? So it was just Monday to Friday or Monday, you know, Monday to Friday morning, you were in the field and they were just, they would just frago the senior members of the platoon and the platoon started would just, frag you from mission set to mission set and you just spent the whole time in the field yeah. you know and after a couple months like i said i want to say roughly three they were like okay you you and you are going to school you know wow. and so we went to school and you know that was obviously everything you've ever heard of and worse sometimes and uh i was fortunate enough to graduate by the skin of my teeth and uh they sent four of us out of the platoon you know of course they give you the speech like hey we're sending four of you statistically speaking or historically speaking two or three of you are coming home don't don't be the person that comes home and i was like oh this is great you know fantastic you know who's it gonna be but three of us graduated and only one guy ended up having to be recycled gotcha. so uh we had a pretty good we had a pretty good group and i completely attest that to like i said the fact that he was so heavy on the on the field time you know like there wasn't a lot of fucking around, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it was a pretty serious state platoon, you know, and, and state platoons, I, I, I'll say this, you got some platoons that are pretty, you know, the, the not fucking around crew. And then there's some that are, uh, I just want to be left alone and, you know, kind of kick it, you know what I mean? And, and everything in between. Yeah. Um, ours was definitely on the, you know, this is serious business side of the house. So I, I completely attest that to, you know, that to how I graduated the first time, first time going through. I remember seeing the first time I saw a state platoon, like actually doing shit besides like beating fucking camis and like making their ghillie suits out in the like courtyard was like dudes just laying in the prone. And I know I kind of joked about this with you through text the other day, but I didn't know what the fuck they were doing because they didn't. I've seen people like snapping in on the barrels, the white barrels, you know, before the rifle range. But these guys are just laying there. They were and some of them had binos. Yeah, they're doing range cards and they and they're fucking like just like searching for shit. They're senior guys let like pen caps and stuff. Yeah, they're like, doing what? an obs exercise. And I was like, asked one of the senior dudes, I'm like, what is, what the fuck are they doing just laying out there? You <laughs> yeah. know, like I've seen machine gunners do gun drills and mortars and all that, but like they had nothing, just their notepads. And I'm like, they're just fucking laying around. Like, what is this? Yeah. Then, yeah. Of course, you know, very useful skills you develop doing that, I'm sure. But, uh, but yeah, I just thought that was wild. I'm like, these guys just, they just watch, you know?
Yeah, just, just lay lay in the prone, stay in the glass, stay in the gun. You're just uh yeah, they yeah, they're obs exercises, you know, 10 items. You better be able to find them, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, and that was a daily occurrence. She would do an obs a day, you would do a couple kims a day. Like if you weren't in the field and my platoon specifically, I can't speak for other platoons, you know, it was classes all day. You know what I mean? Like you were just it was a very studious, like you were never you were never not expected to be able to test and or teach, you know what I'm saying, at any given time, right? Depending on your status in the platoon. Um, if you were a guy that hadn't gone to school yet, um, a, a professionally instructed gunman or a, a pig, as we call them, you know, you, that's all you did was study. If yeah. you, you know, if you weren't PTing, if you weren't in the field, it was in classes or doing, you know, practical exercises. And uh, it all, all in an effort to make sure that if, when you did get to go to school, you were successful on the first time because it was such a high attrition rate, right? Mm -hmm. um, and obviously it made you better at your job. I got, a I got a question about, I mean, I know you obviously spent a long stint of your career instructing, you know, um, but in Virginia, like, so I'm no fucking, you know, expert shooter by any means but i mean i was an expert but as far as like shooting from elevation goes in afghanistan you know i'm sure a lot of guys were involved in that virginia i mean i know there's some hills but it can't even be close to what california has in one five so like when you went how much time did you get to shoot from like like elevation like real elevation because i know that plays a big factor in you know ballistics and and all that um, yeah, that's a it's a fantastic question and man <laughs> we we could go down a rabbit hole and uh and i'll be the first one to say it there are there are two types of snipers there are artistic snipers you know um and then there are scientific snipers and you can always tell when you come in because the artistic guy will be painting something or working on his ghillie suit. And the scientific guy will be over there with ballistic charts, you know, yeah. zeros and ones, beautiful mind type shit. Right. Um, and, and I was definitely an artistic type of dude. Right. As far as the, if I had to pick a side, um, your atmospherics obviously come into it. And especially back then we didn't really have a way to measure like, a lot of the things that we were taught that were gospel back in the day due to no fault, it was just society and technology. And yeah, so we kind of had general rules of thumb and some of those general rules of thumb over the course of two decades with the advancements of technology, you know, in, in the ammunition, in the barrels, in the weapons, in your, you know, ballistic computers um, proves that we were, not only we were we wrong, I mean, we couldn't be more wrong, right? And so we it's it's hard for me to answer that. I was back then, back in the day, you had general rules of thumb for angle yeah. or high angle shooting, right? But you would have had to go into Hawthorne, Nevada, or borderline have one of your buddies hold your feet over the side of you know the 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 you know a, a 50 story building in LA to have those you know, rules come into effect, gotcha. you know, so it, it what you were cognizant of it, but you rarely found yourself in a position where it mattered. Does mm -hmm. that make sense? Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, 
that was with what we know. What what we didn't know then, and we know now that your elevation, your atmospherics, and your you know, or I shouldn't say we didn't know it at all back then, but we had no idea how much the the density, altitude, and you know, the atmospherics um, played into the the bullets, you know, the path. And now, like I said, I I stepped away from the sniper community for two two and a half three years and when i came back um yeah you're I, it, it, I didn't even know what they were talking about wow. you know what i mean like that i was like holy shit you know it was like i had a rotary phone one day and then when i came back it's iphone 13 and i'm you know like i'm a boomer like i like, yeah. have to turn this thing on you know like <laughs> and uh you know um i had to play a lot of catch up you know without a shadow of a doubt i was like holy wow. shit you know so it it moved and it hasn't stopped. It's, it's moving like the guys today, um, the guys today and their cognitive load, you know, um, it, it's impressive. Not saying that, you know, ever, you know, we weren't impressive, but what they have to consume and in the amount of knowledge that they have to have now, like all we had to do is memorize a fair amount of shit, be pretty good at math and, you know, don't quit, you know, kind of be a sucker for punishment. Like these guys now it's, you borderline need a computer science degree, you know, just to keep up, you know, it's yeah, like a me, lot of data. Me and Jose were just talking about that. I mean, even with the, yeah. you know, I was a, I was a 51. So I had demo shit and, and rocket stuff on top of the, you know, the regular rifleman stuff to learn too. But I'm just like, man, you know, how, like how many hours we spent drilling and learning that shit. I'm like, now what the f do they have now? You know, like you, you're spending non-stop in class learning all this shit all these gadgets you got fucking drone guys tab right it's yeah. like it's like how are they even doing it and maintaining the physical side of it too you know it's like yeah that's incredible but i mean i feel like i feel like you know the 20 years 20 plus years that that we had you know for those wars and stuff like all the data that came out of that especially especially with like you know from your MOS field, like, you know, you, you don't really know how shit plays out until you start sending rounds. And then you're like making a job. I mean, I, I was listening to a guy talk the other day about, I think it was, I think it was like 2009, 10 timeframe. And he was a, he was a sniper scout sniper in Afghanistan. And he said that when they showed up, like they had such minimal equipment and supplies, they were delinking uh seven six two for the snipe they didn't even have sniper ammo i believe and, he, and he's like he's like you know we didn't we didn't plan for a scenario like this coming in you're like what the fuck do you mean we don't have ammo for the sniper rifles like and he's like so whoever they were ripping out with like was giving them mags because they were thinking that they had leftover shit and it was fucking seven six two link in the mags he was giving them mm -hmm. and Dude's like, what are we like? How, what are the ballistics like on this? I don't know. Like, we didn't fucking shoot this fucking trash through our rifles, so like they're having to figure all that out. Yeah. And it's like, I'm just saying over, over those twenty years, like how much? I mean, I just feel like growth is exponential for for collecting data on what yep. works, what doesn't work, and then that's you know, it just keeps snowballing from there. Uh, yeah, no, you, you're 100% correct. And I, I can't pinpoint the time when I had kind of this epiphical moment. But anybody that spends enough time in this job will, will, will attest to what I'm saying is that you spend whether it's 
and I'm just throwing out arbitrary numbers. Like let's let's say like I was in that one five sniper platoon. Uh, you know, went to urban, went to advanced, went to mountain. Like, you know, I was schooled out, right? And I I knew what I knew. I was effective. I was effective out to range. I didn't know it, you know, like as well as some guys. And then obviously there were some guys that didn't know it as well as me, right? But um, I, I like to call it functionally dangerous. You know, like everybody likes to say uh, subject matter expert. Okay, well, we were subject matter experts, but we were functionally dangerous and everything, right? And, but I really didn't start to really learn the craft until I started teaching it. Hmm. And then halfway through teaching it, you come to this epiphical moment where it's like, okay, know what matters when it matters and when it doesn't. Cause there's so much, it's a bottomless pit, especially when you get into the ballistic side of the house, it's such a bottomless pit of what ifs that, you know, in, in the science guys and God bless them, will 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 plunge head deep into that to try and drill it down to the, you know, the 18th decimal point. And, but you got to know what matters when it doesn't matter. And most of the time, within ranges that that we were typically and this is you know people are rolling over their graves as i say this you know it isn't all that one shot one kill 1000 yeah. yards away 1200 yards away if you know we want it to be like let's get it to where it's you know as far out as we can push you know scientifically and physically with the laws of physics push that round right you know but everything i did was between 2 and 7 yeah you know, and obviously every situation is different. I'm not discounting the, you know, the, the push for knowledge, but it's like, Hey man, don't, don't, don't sink yourself into stalling in the door. You know what I'm saying? Like if you're with, if you got linked ammo and that's all you got, I, I bet you, you know, you may not hit them where, right where you're aiming at, but you're probably still going to hit them. Right. That makes sense. You know? Yeah. You're going to make it work. I mean, I feel like obviously without be, you know, being through living through that, I feel like that, that career that mos is like literally all about making adjustments right not yep. just to not just to your rifle or you know glass but to the environment to your positioning and you know so i i feel like that's nothing new it's just probably was a curveball for them like what the fuck do you mean you don't have fucking precision ammo for us like it would be horrible it was horrible i and i yeah it's why I, I feel for those guys and i had a similar instance um i had a very similar situation when we that you know the rifle that i went through school with and i lived with in one five was a bolt action remington 700 with a fixed power neural scope you know what i mean like damn a deer hunting rifle that was very very effective and i knew that gun backwards and forwards you know what i'm saying and i don't know if it was two days or two weeks i don't remember but the the m40a3 was coming out and they wanted them fielded in combat and i was the chief scout for one five and the, i'll never forget it the platoon sergeant came over and he was like and my platoon sergeant was fantastic his name was edward zapata and uh he said hey He's like, you're, uh, I'm giving you a new rifle, you know? And I was kind of like, look around to see if anybody else is around. And I was like, the fuck you are, you know, like I'm not staff sergeant. You know what I mean? I was like, I don't, I, you know, this brand new, this thing's out of the box. Like it just can't, you know, still smells like Quantico. He's, you know, I said, I don't have any data for that gun. That gun's not broken. That gun's not anything. He goes, go take 20 rounds and zero it. I don't want to hear another word about it. Damn. You know? So I, I went with this brand, you know, and I mean, I felt it was, you know, 
it's like somebody canceled Christmas. I was like, this is, I might as well not even go. You know what I mean? (laughs) I might as well stay here. And, uh, but guess what? When it came time, I put a zero on it. And when it came time to it, it, it worked, you know, it it worked. So, you know, you just gotta, you just gotta figure, you gotta know it well enough to know what matters when it doesn't matter and, uh, or when it matters and when it doesn't. And, you know, just, I mean, it's the Marine Corps, man, do more with less and just get it done. You know? Yeah. Hell yeah. So how was, so how was the invasion for you? Uh, personally, uh, very, very frustrating at first. Uh, we, we, you know, we pushed so hard, so fast. Um, and you, you, you think you have like, uh, you know, as much TV and movies and, you know, historians or amateur historians as we are when it comes to, you know, combat in the Marine Corps and this is not, or, you know, all branches of service. Like, so I had this idea in my head of how it was going to be. Mm-hmm. you know and guess what ever been you know i think i was 22 you know ever been 22 happened to me once you know what i mean like you i was super frustrated because i wasn't getting i didn't feel like i was getting to to do everything i was capable of doing right well guess what it's not about you you know and i didn't know that at the time <laughs> you know self-centered 22 year old you know all i cared about was me my team and and getting the job done and uh we're just moving so fast. You know, we were just moving so fast that, uh, you know, we weren't using RNS assets. It's not an ideal, you know, a mechanized movement, you know, at that speed is obviously not an ideal place for, you know, a, a, a sniper, but, uh, we got in where we could fit in. We did work when we could do work, you know, and I, um, obviously once we got to Baghdad, it kind of, then it kind of shifted, you know, then we were kind of yeah. the, the, the main, I don't want to say the main effort, but, we were much more active once we got in that static, you know, position at the, at the presidential palace. So all those frustrations ended up, you know, obviously being null and void because we went to work, you know, once we got there. Um, very, very fortunate that the first battalion, fifth Marines, uh, you know, from top to bottom. And, and that's not just me saying that, like we had a very good battalion staff. We had a very good battalion commander, um, our company commanders were, you know, with the exception of, of, of maybe one, you know, um, which just boiled down to personality differences. We're su- like we, we were. It was good, you know what I mean. It was good, and uh, I really, really enjoyed my time. Um, obviously, there's times where it wasn't awesome, you know, and none of it's really awesome when you're there doing it. But in retrospect, I have, you know, I was very, very thankful for the experience, you know. Um, because being a pre 9-11 uh, guy, it was kind of like, this is it. You know what I mean? Like we're, whether this goes on for another five years or five minutes, like, right. At least we've done it. You know what I mean? Like you've checked the box. And I know that that sounds ridiculous when I say that, but it's a thing and we all know it's a thing, you know? Yeah. Um, so, you know what I mean? So yeah. yeah w- once the box was checked, it was kind of like, okay, now let's see how this is going to go. You know, <laughs> like, do you, I mean, do you, do you feel like when, when you guys were there, do you feel like, so like when we were in Afghanistan in 2009, our, our stay guys were pretty much with our sister company echo who was further South, like all of them were right. Did, did you guys bounce around between the different companies or were you just with one that was like kind of the main effort company or 
How did that work? That's a good question. So usually, usually the way it, it works is your staple tune is, and now we're talking my time frame. I won't speak for because Jesus, you know, I've, I've heard they got canceled, you know, not to or did away with or whatever yeah, a yeah. couple months ago. Um, you you had your uh, you were either an H and S company under yep. you know uh, AdCon to the the Intel shop, or you were with Weapons Platoon. Mm -hmm. Right. And uh, when I was there, we were always under the Intel shop. And uh, <clears throat> so each of your team, you know, your teams, you had four man teams. And so Alpha, Bravo, Charlie, so on and so forth. You know, so each team was attached to a company. And then you had what was called the MSPF. And I, I don't even know if they still have that or call that the Maritime Special Purpose Force. Okay. Um, I, I don't know if that's a thing anymore or not, but your urban sniper graduates would, and your senior, you know, your chief scout, which I, like I said, I was a chief scout at the time, they were your MSPF. And that would be, you know, that would be the team. If you were on a mew, they would attach to the, the either the force or the battalion recon and, and, you know, just attach to them and so on and so forth. Well, I was the MSPF team leader and uh, my team was obviously the MSPF team. There's no MSPF mission. Mm -hmm. So I can remember my platoon sergeant before we, you know, crossed the line of departure, because I think we sat there for a month, you know what I mean? Like it, it felt like 10 years, but we sat there for a month in the tents and the whatever. And he came in one day and was like, Hey, uh, there's no MSPF mission. So you and the guys are just going to ride with me in the, in the log truck. And, <laughs> you know, and once again, I kind of looked around and was like, negative, <laughs> no, no disrespect. And, and, and him and I had a very good relationship. If he's listed, I mean, we had a very, very good relationship. Um, so I, I could kind of behind closed doors kind of get away with that. But right. I was like, you're on crack. If you think I'm getting in the back of that high back, you know, as we get ready to cross the LOD. Well, I had been there for long enough that I had a really good rep or not reputation, but I would hope reputation, but I had a good rapport with most of the company commanders. And more importantly, I had a very good rapport with the cat platoon. So I embedded myself. I just walked up to the cat platoon sergeant and the, the uh, company commander for cat. And I was like, Hey, you got room? And he's been like, fuck yeah, we got room. Do I yeah. have room for your whole team? But as we deplete ammo and make room in the vehicles, give us a couple of days, maybe a couple of weeks, who knows you can bring your whole team. And if there's one thing I kind of regret as a team, because we've been a team for the better part of two and a half years, like we were, we were tight. It was a very, very tight team. And when I went and had to tell them that I was going, you know, in the lead element and they were just going to have to kind of wait. Damn. It, yeah. It didn't go over well at all. You know, it did. It was a bad deal. Um, it, you know, people got emotional, my, you know, myself included. And they, they felt like I was leaving them. And, and for all intents and purposes, I guess I kind of was, I was being right. selfish you know, but it didn't take very long to make space for them, you know? So within short order, every vehicle had one member of my team in it, you know, in an empty seat, if you will. And uh, so we kind of moved with the the cat element for the invasion. Right on. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like in that situation, though, it's like you couldn't have sent them first. Cause then what if something, you know what I mean? Like if you wanted to get your, your team into that, you couldn't have been like, you guys go, and then fucking possibly some war event happens, you know, like they do. And now it's like, why wouldn't you go first? But yeah, anyway, 
it, it, it still eats at me a little bit, but it all kind of buffed out, you know, um, it, it's, you know, I just, I wasn't going to go. I was, I, I couldn't fathom, you know, getting in the back. I just couldn't, right. you know, I couldn't fathom it, you know, and that's not me trying to be a tough guy. I was just, I just, that's not like, I'm here. Let's do it. You know what I mean? I don't, uh, I, I don't want to sit, sit out, you know, um, it, it, that's just, you know, we, you make your decisions and you live with your decisions. Right. Yeah. You yeah. know, so we're all still friends, close friends to this day. So that's good. <laughs> yeah. You didn't burn them too bad or, you know, anyway, they got over it if you did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I get it. Uh, yeah. That was, that was that. It was, uh, you know, not, not a lot of food, uh, you know, had to ration the chow quite a bit. Um, constantly on the move, you know, were you guys, um, were you, were you guys mop suits or? Yeah. So everybody was mopped up. Um, everybody was mopped up Damn. and, uh, I ended up shit canning my flak jacket and my helmet. Gosh. Um, it's just because I, I had modified gear and equipment and, uh, cause of course, you know, uh, it's a staple tune. you, you know, you can't just wear normal shit. You got to have high speed shit. Right. You know, <laughs> and and so I had modified equipment that wouldn't accommodate my flak, right? And I just flat out didn't like my helmet, you know? And back then you could get away with it. You could be like, oh, I can't get in the best shooting position when I have this Kevlar on, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, tactically lost, you know, those two pieces of equipment. And, uh, but other than that, yeah, we were all mopped up, flacked up, helmet up all the whole nine yards, you know? Uh, and I caught a lot of shit for that, for the entire invasion. But I mean, if you don't have it, you don't have it. What are they going to do? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. You know, like, how long is it going to take you to get me a replacement? Yeah. And I'm going to be <laughs> out of here before that. So, yeah. The platoon sergeant's like, what'd you do with your flak and helmet? I was like, I threw it away. You know I mean? <laughs> oh, like, shit. Right. Yeah. Got lost in a movement. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> did did y'all know, um, my, one of my my mentor just sent me a, a a YouTube video. He sent both of us a YouTube video uh, of of uh, General Al Gray talking about maneuver warfare. Did y'all know about that at that time period about no. how the invasion was going to go? About maneuver warfare in general? No, I would. I mean, maybe some guys did. I didn't. You know what I mean? Um, and the the one advantage of of being the the chief scout or a team leader in the stable tune was you would frequently be in the battalion level meetings, but even being in the battalion level meetings, like there's a certain part of it where they're kind of talking over your head, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? And then the other part of it is I'm just listening for the part that pertains to me. Right. You know what I mean? And so what, what my understanding of what we were going to do, you know, and not step-by-step, step, but obviously it was, get to Baghdad as soon as humanly possible, secure Baghdad, the end, like don't fuck around between here and there. Like we would drive, like we would dr basically drive through contact. You know what Holy I mean? It, it, it just like, don't stop. It's not worth it. You know, which yeah. at the time I was like that mate, like let's stop. And, and again, not trying to be callous or sound like a tough guy about it, but I'm like, why don't we, <laughs> Like, well, there's yeah. bad guys back there that we need to smoke. Like, what? Are Let's clean this up. Let's clean this up on the way in a little bit. And again, be 22, you know, be 22. And then, you know, I'm 22. And, you know, then there's General Mattis and whoever else, you know, they're like, 
you know, now at 43, I'm like, yeah, no shit. Don't worry about, you know, yeah. squad X. That's just, you know, borderline harassing fire. You know what I mean? Like get to the objective. So my understanding was even as, you know, even though I understood it, that was half of my frustration. I was like, why aren't we, why aren't we eliminating as we go? You know what I mean? Well, it's because you're 22 and you're a sergeant and you really don't know shit, you know, like we got to get to Baghdad and then, you know, then, then the fun starts, you know, and we kind of, you know, gain a foothold and then start to, you know, clean it up from there, from there on out. Right on. Damn. Yeah. I couldn't imagine. I know I was a, I was a hothead. I was looking for a contact and, uh, my squad leader, he's almost like, he's like, you need to chill out, man. It'll find you. Don't, don't wish for that shit. It'll find yeah. you. Was he, uh, was he from just wise beyond his years or? And he had <laughs> yeah, a- he was a, he was a senior guy, man. He came from, um, one, uh, one three. And, uh, he, they didn't go to Iraq. They went to the Korangal Valley. Yep. And they did work right at the time whenever the MSOP got kicked out. Yep. yep. Marsop got kicked out. Yep. And um, he ended up getting out, coming back in. And um, during Operation Kanjar, uh, our 2009 deployment, um, some shit went down. They got kicked out of country. Yep. And uh, <laughs> he eventually, um, man, what, what was his name? Major General Tryon dropped the charges so that they they were good to go. And then um, he deployed with us in 2011, but uh, he was killed. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, fuck, man. That's unfortunate. I, but to your point, I don't, I don't think anybody, like the only person that's ever going to say that is somebody that's experienced it. Yeah. yeah. Like you couldn't have paid me to, you know, there wasn't, a, you couldn't have paid me not to, run towards contact or seek battle or what you know what i mean like but then you once you get it you're like oh this is okay that's what this is like you know roger that you know like okay maybe i've checked that box maybe i kind of liked it maybe i didn't but yeah that's you know wise behind his ears because he had experience like trust me you know a, a minute of combat sometimes is worth a lifetime you know <laughs> like yeah, yeah, don't, yeah don't be anxious you know you can only chase the dragon so many times every now and again, the dragon will come back and bite you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But <clears throat> Gunfights all day, man. Fucking <laughs> yeah. IDs now. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. At least, at least make it a two way street. You know what I mean? Like at least, at least fight a little bit fair, but I don't blame them. I don't blame them. You know, like, I don't blame them. Like what, what would we do? Could you imagine? You know what I mean? Like one of the things w- when we went through, uh, with one five, I, it was just destruction. You know what I'm saying? Like it was, you know, just, just everything was getting destroyed. You know what I mean? Um, I I think I wrote it in my journal. I was like, this is like the fist of God just rolling through just everything in our path. You know what I mean? It was kind of overwhelming. Right. And I went through this series of emotions where I was like, this is exactly what we should do. Hold on. There needs to be some discrimination here. You know what I mean? Like it's not just scorched earth to yes, it does need to be scorched earth. You know what I mean? Like I just went round and round and yeah. round, um, you know, because never having seen, you know, a, a, an infantry battalion, you know, just 
make its way. You know what I mean? Like a, you know, like, you know, like the nothing in the, in the never ending story. And I'm dating myself, but you know what I mean? Like, if you've seen that movie, you know, just this, I was, you know, impressive in some ways and kind of like, holy shit, you know, um, I don't, I don't blame them for those tactics. They, they, I mean, what other choice did they have? You know what I mean? Like, I'm not, I'm definitely not giving them, you know, kudos because yeah. fuck that. But I mean, what else would you do? Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it's. Well, that's like when, whenever we, and I've talked about this before, like whenever we went into Ramadi 2007, 2008, it wasn't a kinetic deployment at all for us. But like, I remember it was, you know, my first deployment, I was fucking boot, you know, shaved head and shit. And I'm rolling <laughs> and we're like rolling in on seven tons. <laughs> And I'm looking at these buildings, dude, and I'm like, what the fuck happened here? Yeah. You're talking about building like it looked like, you know, the city was collapsing. Every bullet or every building had bullet holes in it, missing pieces of it. And like we're pulling up into this shit. And I'm like, what did they like? What was that like? Like living through that part of this? Because at this, you know, at this point, we're rolling in. We get to our OPs, like company OPs in the main fob, like in the city. We're in the fucking city, like holding those buildings. So that says something in itself, right? And it's like, I'm like, holy, what the, what's this going to be like? You know, it, it, it was nuts, man. It was it it was crazy, and obviously, and not nuts like, oh no shit, there I was. You know what I mean? Like that's, but, and I used to joke around all the time, and this is a joke, but it's 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 close to it. I mean. If a if somebody fired a wrist rocket out the window, then two tanks would just level. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? Like it was just, you know, like, come on, it's not even fair. You know, um, it, 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 there was just it was an open free. Yeah. If you thought you had contact, just start suppressive fire. You know, it was just nuts, man. It was crazy. And that was what was super frustrating for me because um by the time I would dismount and start to get my bearings about me to try and do my job, there wasn't even a job to be done. You, you know? think I'm, I, I feel stupid for not knowing this. Cause I know like in Fallujah, there was a whole ton of psyop they did, you know, dropping the papers were coming through. If you're, if you're here, your enemy combat, did they do, they, did they do any of that? 1000%. Yeah. I still have one as a matter they of They did fact. do that. Yeah. Uh, Mattis, uh, Mattis basically, and I'll, I'll, I'll never remember all of it, but basically he was like, I didn't bring tanks. I didn't, which is not entirely true, but he's like, you know, I didn't bring tanks. I didn't bring artillery. I'm begging you. And it, he, it's, yeah. It, it's yeah, 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 yeah. I remember. Years, I remember you, know, yeah. you guys seen that one? Yeah. 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 They were everywhere, bro. They were everywhere. They were everywhere. They had done a significant leaflet campaign. Like you couldn't, they were everywhere. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, basically like, if you don't fight, we won't destroy this entire place. But if you fight, we're, <laughs> we're, you, they, they won't recognize this place, you know, and that's definitely, you know, you think about it, think about it from, you know, we had a pretty significant break between, you know, Somalia you know, Desert Storm Somalia, like that was the first major, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so motherfuckers were itching, you know what I mean? They were itching. I mean, I feel and I hate me and Jose have gone into like the you know, on the moral injury fucking view, you know, 
what I'm trying to say is like, I feel like what you're saying, just watching this overkill of firepower being used against something, you know, minuscule, but at the same time, it's like you were kind of warned, right? Like, so it's not like, fuck, this is like too much. We're doing too much. It's like they were warned that if they were, if people were remain behind and you weren't a fighter, you know, you, you're, you're going to kind of be caught up in it. Yeah, and they, there, there's a very interesting book I had to read for school called Bomb in My Garden, which is, a, you know, I don't know if you guys are familiar with it, but, you know, Saddam's chief, you know, nuclear scientist or, you know, make me a nuclear bomb, all this good shit. Well, one of the one of the great parts in that book was him talking about, you know, basically the the, the Ministry of Affairs or and I'm butchering it, like basically the what we would consider the White House press secretary on the TV in Iraq, you know, in Baghdad being like, the Americans are not here. And then he turns around and there's an Abrams rolling past his window. You know what I mean? So like, <laughs> you know, like he uh, 100%, you know, it's not a direct quote from the book, but it's pretty close, you know? So, and that was definitely a thing where the Iraqi people kind of didn't know whether to shit or go blind. You know what I mean? Like they've got their state sponsored, you know, propaganda machine saying, it's all bullshit, but then they look down the road and, you know, here comes an infantry battalion. So, you know, it's like a, it's like a town that doesn't have a tornado siren. Yeah. You know what I mean? By the time you see that tornado, you're fucked. You're all, it's all, yeah. you know what I mean? Like all you can do is throw your hands in the air and, and hope for the best, you know? And so, uh, you know, that, that's one thing I will say it wasn't indiscriminate, you know, and this isn't me trying to clean it up, it wasn't indiscriminate for no re you know, it, it wasn't overkill, but if, if you, if you picked the fight, it, it yeah. got stopped right now. You know what I mean? Um, there wasn't a lot, a lot of, you know, other than the, the push into Baghdad, you know, as we were going, there wasn't a lot of prolonged back and forth, you know, there, they, they give a little, we would destroy what, whoever and whatever it was. Yeah you know, in rapid fashion. So, you know, they just, you know, it's, I used to say, you know, it, it would be like, you know, a WWF superstar, you know, fighting an eighth grader, you know what I mean? Like right. it's just, it, the scales are just, it's not fair, you know, but that's what that's, that's, that was my take on it anyways. Yeah. It's yeah. We've come a long ways from then. Now it's like fucking, I got to call. I got to call the fucking general before I fucking fire. You know what I'm I saying? Yeah. yeah. In 2009, that became an issue. There was a, a Marine Corps Times uh, article and a couple of NPR um, articles that were written um, about the ROE. Not, I mean, I, what what did the, uh, the adjutant used to come out and say that the ROE was designed for us to help us, but it didn't feel that way. At least, you know, a guy got a rifle is that, you know, that's PID, take him out or not, right? And if you take him out, you're going to get fucking charged. Yeah. Yeah. That's Look, I mean, luckily we didn't really experience a lot of that. My, my only, my, and I definitely heard stories of that being a significant issue, you know, a significant issue in the later, in the later parts, like our only, our only ROE challenges were, it went from very, very loose to very very tight and everything in between and in a very very within like a day or two 
you know, which was confusing to us as, you know, the, the guys that are pulling the triggers, like, wait a minute, you know, yesterday it was anything goes within reason. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, what's, what's a military age male, if they're strong enough to pick up the weapon, then you're green light. You know, I'm like, okay, that's pretty loose. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you know, (laughs) to, Hey man, just try and shoot the weapon out of their hand or fire a warning shot or what, you know what I mean? Like some pretty kind of ridiculous shit, you know, but once again, I wasn't quote unquote meant to understand it. Um, I, I just, yeah, Roger that, you know, and, and so that was very frustrating, you know what I mean? But it was never to the point of what you're referencing where, Hey, they're shooting at us a lot. Are we good to go now? You know what I mean? Like I've heard some horrible, you know, some horrible stories about, you know, the ROEs kind of really getting in the way, which is unfortunate, you know, uh, I'm glad we didn't have to, you know, deal with that, uh, you know, at all, you know, but it's a, I think when you're moving that fast, you know, when you're moving that fast and the things are happening as quickly as it was. And, you know, um, I think those things are kind of, once you start to fall into, you know, that presence, you know what I mean? Like that, that, you know, occupational force where a guy's got time and I don't, not guys like us, but when the brass has time to sit up there and think about, PR and optics and, you know, coin operations and, Hey, how is this affecting, you know, and the, the guys on the ground are who suffer because it's, Hey man, you know, it, they're not thinking about any of that, <laughs> you know, they're, they're not thinking about any of that ever, you know? So yeah, it's a challenge. 100%. Do you, do you what, what was it like coming home then for, for you guys being the invasion boys, you know what I mean? You had to, I mean, I feel like, and I'm not, you know, trying to boost us or anything, but it felt kind of felt that way for us in 2009, you know, we're part of this big troop surge shit. And even though the war in Afghanistan has been going on forever, like this is the big push and we were the ones to set it off. So like, and it almost felt like the bit like Camp Lejeune was just like in support of us. Too. Sure. You know, I mean, like we're the we were the only East Coast unit to to go to that. So it was kind of like we felt like King's coming back to a degree. Everybody's getting fucking trashed and, you know, <laughs> yeah. doing whatever. <laughs> yeah. all, all the tattoo parlors were books. Yeah. 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 Every, everybody's got fucking six months of pay saved up. And yeah. Um. No, we were the same way. Like we, we, it was pretty surreal. We, you know, obviously you guys went through it. We came home and, you know, the, the, the whole base was, you know, uh, you know, line streets and all the, you know, it was, it was crazy. Right. It, it was in a good way. And uh, lots of hugs, lots of tears, all this good stuff. You know what I mean? And then they, they kind of, um, and it was badass. you know, it was like, holy shit. You know, we just, you know, we, we just, now we're home, you know, and they put us on ice for a month. Like they wouldn't let us go home. I don't know if they did the same thing to you guys or not, but like, Hey, you don't have to come into work. You know, there's a recall roster, but we, you're not going on leave yet. Right. So, and I don't know if that was a good idea or a bad idea. Cause I don't know what you guys did, but I know what we did. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, we don't have to go into work. We just have to monitor our phones. You know, like, I mean, all we did was party. You know what I mean? We, we just sat around and partied and talked about what, you know, all the things, you know, you know, even though it was last week, like, remember that one time, you know, yeah. and, uh, <laughs> you know, 
like, you know, like it was years ago or some shit. And uh, we just kind of chilled out for, for that month. And then they let us go home, home. And then that's when it got weird. You know, at least that's when it got weird for me, you know, was going home and you kind of, you know, the atypical, what's it like coming home stories. Cause yeah, I don't know. And you guys, you know, you guys will tell me, I didn't want any special treatment, but I didn't want to be ignored either. If that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like I didn't want to talk about it, but I also didn't want to feel like, Hey, nothing just happened for the past. However long, right, you right. know, a- acknowledge what I did, but just don't ask me details kind of deal, which is a real, I mean, if you, if you yeah. reverse that, if you, you know, if you, if you switch hats with a civilian, because all they want to do is hear about it or ask you about it or thank you for it or, or whatever. And, and, and that's, that's not, that's not wrong. Like, yeah. And that's, and that's also not like their fault though. Right. Because they don't fucking know, like they're just extremely interested in, in what you did and they don't like, that would be like, that would be like, it's almost like asking somebody like, what was it like if you've never been in a car accident? Like, well, you just got in a fucking terrible car accident some people may have died in that car accident and you just come up and you're like dude what was that like for you you know like <laughs> you don't do that shit you don't yeah. do that and, but- and you're right. it's not their fault they don't how could they possibly realize you know what i mean and, and they can't right and it's it's a it's a difficult it's a difficult situation for both parties right because yeah. we're not wrong they're not wrong it's just the, the apex of kind of awkwardness you know, um, and sometimes I would in, or not embellish, but indulge. And sometimes I'd be like, ah, eh, not right now. You know what right. I mean? You know, kind of give a little, take a little, if that makes sense. Yeah. 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 That's, it is. That's such a tricky one too, because, you know, if you join, I feel like from my perspective anyway, like, you know, I love this country. I still do, you know, and I did then. And that's why, that's why we join. That's why the majority of people that I know or I'm friends or compatriots with, that's why they joined because they wanted to do something significant with themselves. And I think it's not until later when the, you know, bad light starts seeping through where you can kind of like, it can kind of change the way you look at it or looked at it. But it's like, if you think back to who you were then and why you made that decision, that's fucking wholesome as fuck. Like you're, you're a kid, you're a young man. That was, you know, hopefully raised in in the right manner to care about the place, your surroundings and the people in your community, too. And you're like, well, fuck, man, like, I feel like I. I'm useful, like I care about other people. This is what you do. This is what we do. And then you go do it. Maybe it doesn't, you know, pan out the way you were hoping for. Maybe it's way worse. Maybe it's, you know, cakewalk for you. But then you start looking at it and then people that didn't go through those things start having opinions about it. And you're like, well, was this good? Or was this like bad? And did I get, do I feel like, was I just used by the system? Like, I, I don't, I think a lot of people deal with that struggle, like to where they don't know, they feel proud about it. You know, like they feel proud about serving their country, whether they entirely agree with what they were asked to do. That doesn't really matter, but that's my opinion to have about, my own circumstance, not yours, not anyone else's. Right. Yep. Um, I, I, yeah, I agree. 100%. I, I went through, 
many, many years where there was basically like two sides of me. There was the side where it's like, Hey, guys and people like me, guys like me, we went because most people can't or don't want to. Right. And that's a noble endeavor. You know, I used to say all the time, like whether it's right or wrong is, is irrelevant. Like it's, it's my job. It's what I signed up to do. I'm not going to, I'm not going to cloud my cognitive load with, do I think this is right or not? You know what I'm saying? And, and that can be drilled down and argued upon too. You know what I mean? Right. But as a jarhead and I was as jarhead as I think jarheads can get, <laughs> you know, I, I just, Hey man, the, 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 why or the, the, that doesn't matter to me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I signed up, this is what I signed up to do. If it's time to go do it, Roger that, you know, almost kind of like a willful blissness when it comes to it, when it came to yeah. it. And then the other half of me was ex- got extremely bitter and extremely angry and very destructive because I started having animosity as the years went on, you know, and as, you know, as the, the, the body count and the, you know, the injuries and the, this and the, that, and I, I would, you know, and I didn't go around, you know, choking people out by any stretch of imagination, but I'd be like in the back of my head, whether I had a smile on my face or not, you know, as I'm talking to somebody who's running off of the mouth in a good way or a bad way or what have you, you guys know what I'm talking about. I'd be like, you don't have, you, you've never had a fucking inch of skin in the game. Like you don't rate to say anything ever, you know what I mean? And you know, and I struggled with those two sides, you know, because both sides are kind of right. You know what I mean? Like it's an all volunteer force. There is no draft. You know what I mean? Like we are the people that should go do those things because we're capable and willing and so on and so forth. And and we love this country and, you know, and the other side's true, you know, the other side's true too. Like, Hey man, what, watch your mouth. You know what I mean? Like it's, I think you, you need to have a little skin in the game if you're going to vote, you know, um, but that's not how the country works. Yeah. So, you know, what do you do? You just smile and be like, yep, cool. Have a nice day, whatever, you know. Um, but it, it, it ate at me for a long, long time, you know. <clears throat> yeah. 1973, man. <laughs> I, uh, I go back and forth with that a lot just because – the numbers are in our faces now, right? So 20 years, $9 trillion. You have over, over 30,000 suicides. Right. You have close to a million people that have been diagnosed with some type of mental illness um, as a result of those wars. And then just where the country is headed, it doesn't look good in terms of like the infrastructure. And like it, it is noble, right, to do what we did. But at the same time, it's like, where the fuck were the elders at, right? So they forfeited their seat at Grand Strategy, and they allowed questionable conflicts to take place. And, you know, was Iraq uh, justified, not justified? It doesn't matter. We still did it. Right? Yeah, we still did it. But that should have been, I mean... The, you, your 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 eighteen year old your 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 nineteen year old is not going to be thinking about grand strategy. They're not going to be thinking about the operational or the national trajectory. They're not going to be thinking about how China at the fucking time was looking at how we did Gulf War One and they're fucking adapting. How you know they're not thinking about all that shit. Yep. 
Um, yeah, it's just, yeah, I don't, I, I really don't know. I mean, that's why I'm still fucking salty about Afghanistan today. Is that? No, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh well, yeah, I mean, I mean, I think you just, you deserve it, right? Like we deserve it. Like I deserve it. it I hope I don't stretch this out too long, but. You had significant skin in the game. You you deserve to feel that way, right? You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like you deserve to feel. Um, I mean, I we were talking about before we started recording. Like, it, it it fucked me up for weeks. You know what I'm saying? Like, and if I dwell on it, and I and if I you know start drilling down on it, even now, you know, it'll you know it'll start to you know make me get pretty pretty cross. But. Uh, Oh man, I it, this isn't a cop out statement, but nothing you did or nothing I did uh, or nothing anybody did for that matter um, was not to their fullest. Was not what they were asked to do. You know, everybody did their job and what they you know to the fullest extent you know of their abilities, so on and so forth. And I have zero, fucking less than zero, amount of control over what goes on in the beltway and those decisions that are made, you know what I mean? And it's not like I'm giving them a free pass. I will, you know, for, we'll always forever hold, you know, kind of hold them, uh, you know, in contempt for how they handled that. But I, I can't, you know, at this time of my life, if I can't control it, then I, I try not to let it bother me if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Because it'll just, you know, I, I've been in that place where, uh just angry all the time just never just always angry about something you know or a multitude of things you know what i mean angry and once i started to realize that most of the things i was angry about were outside of my control and i kind of started to let those things go i didn't forget i didn't forgive i just started to separate or control how i how it affected me emotionally and physically uh, you know i i hope that makes sense you know um it's not that i approve of what happened i just don't let it ruin my day anymore you know what i mean um i i just choose not to focus on it hard um uh, you know i because otherwise i think it would just it would eat you alive or and i'm sure it is eating people alive and you know what's the solution? Mm-hmm. You know, what would be the solution? What would make you feel better? I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like, obviously there's probably some things that we won't say out loud on this podcast, but you know, it, it within the realm of reality, what would bring you solace? Well, yeah. I mean, I have something to add to that. Cause I think there's, there's a ton of people in our community out there that are still like, like, like seeking out that acknowledgement, right. For what they, for what they did. And it's, you know, decade or better ago when you did that, but it's like, you know, if that, if, if you feel like inside yourself, that was the, like the pinnacle, like the best version of yourself that you would ever be, you're always going to miss that. Right. Like if you're not continually trying to better yourself, you're going to constantly look at that, that, that version of yourself and hold that on a pedestal and always want people to acknowledge that version of you too, even like as time goes on. And that's us, like that's in us. And I know some people are, are, you know, I hate saying like damage, but some people are really affected by things they experienced and that's all they have. Right. Because Mm -hmm. now, now they're not that they can't find a way through it. They can't, 
whether they've tried or not, or they're, you know, stuck hiding and trying to, you know, just disappear. They're always referencing that version. So it's like, how do you change that? How do you make somebody feel worthy? You know, especially now after, and I hate saying this, I'm not making like excuses or anything, but like after the ISIS situation, in Iraq and after fucking the drawdown in the, in the botched withdrawal, it's like now the entire fucking, well, not the entire, cause no one, most Americans don't pay attention to fucking anything, but the ones that did that had no skin in the game. Now they see this fucking terrible. Cause all the talking heads on fucking main media are saying how fucking big of a debacle this is. Now they all have a standpoint that the past 20 years in Afghanistan, Iraq, which Iraq already went through that with the whole ISIS situation, but Afghanistan was going through it with this. We're saying it was all for nothing. And it's like, you don't say that you not just don't say that to me. Cause you don't know, but I know the efforts that we did there and people lost their sons and daughters there. You can't just say it was for nothing. And I always say this, and I know it kind of sounds like you say, it sounds like cold or callous, but it's like, the the people that don't know what type of of humans like al-qaeda or the taliban or isis were you like when we talk about valuing human life these people do not at all so in my opinion they don't they don't deserve to breathe the air we do you know they're monsters truly evil people it's not just religion. It's not whatever you believe. These people do not care about their own, you know, communities or 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 anything like that. You, yeah, I mean, we've all seen examples of how fucking heinous the shit. So, no matter how many or how little were erased, that was all worth it to me. You yeah, know? because that's evil fucking walking and breathing, and they just they don't deserve to be here. Grand strategy, grand scheme, whether it helped or didn't. I mean, I don't know. There hasn't been a terrorist attack since, you know, a, a major one since. And if that's we're trying to be preemptive or prevent that kind of shit, maybe 20 years at war did fucking do something. Yeah, it definitely. And, and I, like I said, you're, you're entitled to that opinion. And the best thing about your, your opinion and your feelings about it is guess what? You, you don't need an iota of validation from anybody. You know what I mean? Like, you went, you went through it, you have your opinions and your, you know, uh, and your stance on it and fuck anybody that questions that, you know, and also I, I don't need any fucking validation either. You know what I mean? Like, you know, and I, for, for people that, here's what I'll say, and, and I'm probably going to catch a lot of shit for this, but I think it needs to be said is in the veteran community, we have, there's a lot of people and you said it, you know, that that was the best version of themselves, or that was the, you know, a, a very prolific time in their existence. Right. And, you know, and, and I was the same way, I 100%. And I, I was telling Jose before we got on here, had I not got into the job that I, I do now, where I'm still kind of around or in that same community, like, I'm not going to say I wouldn't be sitting here, but we definitely wouldn't be having this conversation. You know what I mean? Like, and you know, who knows what, what, or how it would have happened. Right. Or what would have happened. But 
the here how I dealt with it or how I kind of turned the page on that was and my dad was a big part of it because I obviously had a lot of conversations with my old man when when uh when I came back about his experiences coming home from Vietnam. And uh you know, he was like, Hey, there's not a day that goes by that I don't think about it, you know, or a smell or something that I see or so on and so forth. He goes, but just over time, uh, you just start to go that, that was then this is now. And, uh, you know, you, you just make a conscious effort to focus on what's in front of you instead of what's behind you. And I was like, okay, Roger that. And, I'm not saying that was a turning point. The true turning point for me was I, I went through some experimental treatment and um, I was going through some counseling and the counselor uh, said to me one day, he goes, what, if you were to die today, what would it say on your tombstone? And I kind of didn't know how to answer it, you know, and, and I also didn't know where he was going at the time. And he said, you know, he goes, well, I was like, man, I'll fuck. I've never been asked that. You know, I don't, I don't know. He's like, well, it would say Marine. It would say, you know, Marine. It would say, you know, father. It would say husband, you know, bada, dada, you know, whatever. He goes, you can make it say whatever you want, right? Because you have many things that it could say. And I was like, okay, I'm tracking. He goes, you're only 40, whatever. He goes, you're not, you're not even halfway done. He goes, think about what it could say by the time everything is all said and done. It could say author, it could say musician, it could say, you know what I mean? Like he was basically illustrating like, hey man, those things and who you were and those things that you, that you were, because we all identified, right? And that's the big thing. Like if I, if I always identify as a combat veteran, then it's very hard for me to carry that identification into the quote unquote real world, right? Or that, that self, that sense of self. You know, like, but it's, it's so ingrained in us. And we, we were Marines. We lived it. There is no such thing as a former Marine, like all that shit. Right. But when he said that it hit me like a bolt of lightning, he's like, everything you did and everything you were served you at that time. And you were successful. He goes, all of the anxiety, all of the hypervigilance, all of the combat mindset, all of the, you know, just walking around ready to snap necks and cash checks and all that shit he goes that doesn't serve you anymore you know what i mean like you, you have yeah. new and different endeavors you know what i mean like it's like tyler durden you, you, you're not your fucking job but unfortunately in the marine corps it, it's not a job it's a lifestyle it's who you are right and so until veterans can kind of we're never going to shit can it we're never going to you know shun it but there's a whole lot of life left to live. And instead of letting our experiences drag us down or keep us stagnant, use our experiences and in, in the trials and strife that we've been through and the trauma to crush whatever is in front of us. You know, I know that sounds like, like a motivational speech, but I truly believe that, you know what I mean? Like GWAT veterans are capable of anything in my opinion, like, Jesus Christ, when's the last time we've had 20, you know, two decades, you know, of sustained combat, you know what I mean? And if you can make it through, whether it was three deployments, one deployment or 15 deployments, the civilian world should not kick your ass, in my opinion. It just shouldn't. You know what I mean? Like, and I know that, like I said, I'm going to catch hell for that. 
but it's like, come on, man. Like you went through the worst of the worst and you did it voluntarily. Like the rest of this should be easy. As long as we don't focus on all the bad shit that happened. You know, that's, that's my opinion. No, that's solid. Yeah. That's, that's fucking really good. I mean, I struggle with that too. You know, n- not just, I'm, I'm a driven individual, you know, in my own right. And I, I feel like it's, a lot of times I'm tiptoeing around like ways to try to say the right things or like motivate somebody if they're having a difficult time, but it's like, yeah, you just got to stop focusing on, on that shit. You know, I know to hell, you know, anybody that knows my story knows that it, you know, it hasn't been easy. My time in the service, Jose as well. Like I'm not, I'm not trying to put myself up or anything like that, but it's like, that's on me. That's in my pack. Like, if you want to help share this load a little bit, that's fine. I'm never going to pass the fucking gun off, but like, you know what I mean? We can talk about it. And maybe you just acknowledging that we're all doing this still, then, you know, that helps. But, but I don't need that. It's not like I seek that out. You know, it's, it's, and I think that's, that's why we run into trouble too. Cause we have those mentalities. Like this weight in my pack is my own. These guns, these crew serves I'm carrying are my own. You need help. I'll carry yours. But there's too many of us that are like, I'm not going to pass the gun off. And, you know, if, if you fucking carry that to the grave at an early age, that's the wrong way to do it. Like, right. Pass the fucking gun off. But at the same time, you know, we got to keep looking forward. Not not at that. And I'm not saying forget it. Like, I would never want to forget. We've talked about this before. I wouldn't want to forget any of the memories, good, bad, you know, indifferent. And like I t- like chatted with you about some of my favorite memories are like training memories. They're not they're not combat. They're not being deployed. It's like just with the boys type shit. And I think if you can look back at those better times, you know, not just a negative shit, it 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 makes it I don't know, like I cherish that. And yeah, you know, it, it's. I don't think anybody that goes through something like that, no matter how traumatic severe whatever you want to call it it was like you're always going to remember like that that what you live through you know because that that's what builds you it builds your character it fucking people get gain lifelong friends from it it you know teaches us how to be in control of ourselves if you want to use that information you learn that way and you know be driven be a fucking leader be whatever you need to be it's it's I guess it just all depends on how you perceive what you went through and um... right. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I mean, what, what other environment could you be, you know, in hysterical laughter one second, the, the, the most terrified you've ever been in your life, the next second followed by, you know, you know, prolonged period periods of, you know, take my own life level boredom, you know what I mean? Yeah. And whatever. And the, and the cycle repeats. Right. And, you know, um, and I think we should as, as veterans, you know, support each other, cling to each other, so on and so forth. Um, but I think there needs to be a, a little, there needs to be a little bit of tough love. And when I, when I say tough love, Hey man, if you want to have an absolute break, break, break yourself down shotgun style, you know, cry on my fucking shoulder for two hours straight. I- I'm here for you. 
as long as it's not every other day, like at some yeah. point, you know what I mean? At some point you gotta, you know, everything that, that made you a Marine or, you know, or a soldier or, you know, Navy airmen, you name it. Like those things didn't go away. You know what I mean? That now is the time to really go back to, you know, and that isn't like suck it up and shut the fuck up, but it's almost that. You know what I'm saying? Like find a healthy outlet. You know what I mean? Like yeah. find a new endeavor, find a hobby. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, seek your buddies out next Y and Z, but it's, you know, we, we can't, I think the guys that have the most problems are the guys that are just still living there. You know what I mean? Like, it, you know, it, and you just, you have to find a way to get past it. You just do, you know, and we all know what happens when guys don't. Yeah. you know, which is very unfortunate. And there's always going to be an element of that, right? I think there's always going to be an element, you know, has there, <laughs> has there ever been a prolonged conflict where you don't have all these different individual, you know, some people knew exactly what was going to happen, or at least they had a good, you know, mental mindset. You know what I'm saying? Like um, it, 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 some guys had no idea what was going to happen and they were kind of completely overwhelmed and everybody's got yeah. their meter. Right. And once your meter gets pegged, you know, a couple too many times, you know, um, and everybody's different. Right. Um, it, it, there is no broad stroke brush answer to it. I can tell you what's not the answer to it. And it's the fucking pills. You know what I mean? That they're pushing 24 seven, you know, that's the absolute worst in my opinion. Yeah. And I'm sure there's people where the pills work just fine. I haven't met anybody. You know what I mean? Like I want to, you know what I'm saying? Like uh, I think the things that they're going to now, the, you know, kind of holistic or alternative methods that they're going um, I think is a move in the right direction. You know, I, I think the pills are, are a bigger travesty than the, than the pullout of Afghanistan. Yeah. I really do. You know what I mean? Like I really think that's what 99% of the problem is, is just the, here's all the pills call us later you know what i mean like i i specifically said i don't want anything and they're like nothing i said I, I i don't want anything it showed up in the mail anyways you know what i mean like that's a problem you know and i i, I threw that shit in the trash like nope no fucking way you know what i mean um and i'm not shitting on anybody that takes them and, and it's helpful but we all know the overwhelming majority of the problem is their approach to how to treat, you know, um, that's, that's my soapbox for this episode. Yeah. That's a slippery slope. I mean, that is not the pills. I mean, you know, you, you think, and that's what's fucking, I mean, we've, we've smashed this fucking. It's variability, man. Everyone's going to respond differently. No one knows until it actually happens. And then I, I tell you what, so this is one of the, this is one of the components, right? We have, we have symptoms of decline, right? The Westphalian order is, is reshaping itself, even if I don't even think that's a thing anymore, right? So you have a constant connection to content that, you know, creates atmosphere of fears, right? And for us, it's still fresh, like you're still in it, right? That's one of the questions I want to ask. You're still close to it, right? I still talk to guys that are still the point. So to me, it's still fucking fresh. Right. And, and that's part of the problem that I have is like, I don't stop fucking training. I'm still, tra I'm training now for war with China, even though I'm, you know, I'm not, right. I don't know. I, it could happen. Right. And that's one of the, and that's, that's the issue is that it's like, we haven't had a fucking break. 
right? We just got a break and it was a fucking disaster. And then now we're getting ramped up to go again with fucking, you know, China or Russia. I mean, I, I think we're already there, um, depending on how you want to view it. Right, and right. God knows what assets are down there right now, fucking doing the work. But those symptoms, I don't think allow the symptoms, the increase in populations, the mega cities, the increased connectivity. Um, what, what what's happening in like California is somehow in, uh, impacting me here in my home. And I don't even fucking live in that state, right? As a result of these things. So it's like this constant elevation of, of tension and conflict uh, persists. And, you know, you go back to that default mode network of what was or who was developed. And you're put into this situation where all of a sudden you got to be this thing that, you know, you survive through the worst of the worst. And you take on this, what John Paul Sartre called, you know, living in bad faith. You put on this role that isn't really you anymore, but it's the only thing you know, because that's how you survive the worst of the worst mm. because of all the yeah. symptoms. And so I think, um, like, for example, the Bhagavad Gita, uh, there's this major war going to take place. Uh, Arjuna, the, the warrior, is, you know, having a, a moral conflict, right? He has to go to war with his family, uh, people that he knows, and he can't escape the anxiety and the dread. And Krishna is telling him, look, man, you have to practice renunciation, which is the complete, you know, departure of these sentiments. And that's a daily practice. Uh, and, you know, is the VA going to say, hey, look, there's this doctrine, there's this not doctrine, but there's this kind of philosophy of life for specific types like you who have gone into harm's way. You should look at that. They're not going to prescribe philosophy. They're going to prescribe fucking, you know, something that has measurable impact. Narrative yeah. doesn't. So it's like it's very difficult right it's very yeah. difficult especially whenever you have parents and, and family members like and like in our unit for example man it's like dozens and dozens of dudes have just fucking checked the fuck out and you know this you know the the contagion the the science behind the contagion for every one suicide 135 people are impacted as a result of that mm. it's mm -hmm. mimetic so again you know when you have um, parents and, and family members who want, you know, a system that is not designed to look at the holistic or the, the, the things that are not going to have a direct measure or metric. Uh, it's almost, it's, it's a losing battle, I think. And, you know, one thing that was detrimental to, I think the, the, the overall force, whether it was the active duty force or, or the, um, the veteran community was, was this major downsize that took place, the downsizing that just left everyone disgruntled, everyone went their own ways. There wasn't, there wasn't a, a solid way of saying, let's make this into a network so that we don't have these deficiencies. Maybe that's where yeah, GWAT right. comes in, right? Where it's say like, look, this is what didn't work. Uh, this is what could work. Since we're already in this like new conflict, maybe these things should apply. Yeah. But I don't, know, I don't know who's going to do that work. I don't know who's going to fucking change all that. I, I don't know either. I, I know it's not going to be the proverbial them, <laughs> you know, I, I don't, yeah. you know, I don't think it's ever going to be the proverbial them because it's an unfortunate, you know, fact of life that it's, you know, there's, you know, as long as there's people willing to go, which we are, we are 
are, excuse me, we all were. Um, the, the, you know, what happens after the fact is they don't give a fuck. You know what I mean? Like they may stand up and say they do, you know what I mean? But in, in, to, in, in reality, you know, nobody, you serve your purpose. You know what I mean? You serve your purpose and, you know, fuck off, <laughs> you know, like, you know, or here, you know, here's the VA or here's the whatever, whatever. And, you know, I, I don't, it would have to be somebody independent. It would have to be somebody, you know, from, from outside of the, the normal machine, you know, if you ask me, which, you know, <clears throat> but I don't know, the next couple of years will be interesting. You know what I mean? Because like you said, with the recruiting efforts and this and then that, like, I don't, uh, it would be interesting to see if they, I don't think they'd have the the post 9-11, you know, surge of signups of volunteers um, if either East or West, you know, clicked off hot, you know, I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. You know what I mean? Um, there was a recent military, uh, military.com article that came out where they're looking at a kind of hybrid conscription um, build a pass uh, because I think they're looking for 160,000 new recruits uh, to fill in the ranks, I think across all the armed services. That's kind of like what we, like what we missed. The only branch that was able to come through was the Marine Corps. No <laughs> yeah. The Marine Corps That's was awesome. the only, yeah. The Marine Corps was the only one. Um, and I shoot, Jesus, man, th- those numbers are staggering. Um, I think the, um, Oh my God! Was it? Uh, wasn't the Heritage Foundation? Anyway, I don't know if you ever read the the duty in the Pentagon reports, but it's like seventy seventy five percent of American youth are not able to serve as a result of chronic illnesses, um, obesity, and then low IQ, uh, and then the 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 majority that can serve, they don't want to serve because right. of of the prevailing narratives of, you know you know, what, what mainstream media puts out. And then obviously whenever they hear us, you know, have dialogue, it's like, Oh shit, do I really want to go through that? Yeah. And well, and I try and put, yeah, it's interesting. Cause I try and, and, and man, you want to talk about, don't, don't look for contact. It'll find you, man. When I was a kid, because all I knew was movies and stories and you name it, like, and because I obviously didn't know any better, I couldn't wait, you know, because you don't, you're invincible. You're 18, you're 19, you're 20. Like you don't, you don't even have a the thought of actually taking one, you know, uh, or, or the one in, in the face, you know, doesn't even really kind of enter your mind, or at least it didn't enter mine, you know, as it well should have, you know, I can tell you what, after the first couple of incidents, you know, um, it started to kind of creep in a little bit like, Oh man, you know, this, this could not go the way I imagined, you know, there's some alternative oh, endings yeah. to this story, yeah. you know? And uh, you know, I, I don't know, like if I was a kid, you know, if I was 18 and I was watching the withdrawal from Afghanistan on, on TV from it, from, you know, an 18 year old's perspective, which is hard to you know, rewind the clock. And I, I don't, I don't think that would have deterred me at all. 
but I'm one person, like you said, and I think anybody that's no, you know, why the Marine Corps probably doesn't have trouble meeting its numbers like the rest, you know, because they already attract kind of a special, you know, breed anyways, or an alternative human, um, you know, in a good way. I don't know, man. Like, yeah, that's a, that's a super interesting, you know, okay. kind of, like maybe it would, maybe it won't. I'm sure it would differ from person to person, but there's obviously no arguing the fact that it definitely didn't help, you know, no. it definitely yeah, didn't yeah, help. Yeah. I'll tell you what, um, that's something that we've also talked about too, is that it, there's a military like case system that was developed. It's like all of a sudden all the early OIF, you know, guys that went down range, now their kids are going down range. And, and that's very dangerous because now there's not a rep, there's not a proper representative of all the states to give equal amounts of, of recruits that represent the United States. Now it's, be, and, and that can be mutinous, like dangerous, like coups can fucking take place when you have something like that. But you also have a, a large body of, of individuals who did serve and saw how the policymakers and the administrations handled it, that they're like, no, my kid is never going to fucking serve. But that, there's that's something- come out of, That's come out of my mouth. Yeah, that's that's come out of my mouth. And then I quickly kind of in my wife, too, because my wife had some deployments, you know, like we obviously we sit. I didn't mean to cut you off. We sit and talk about that. And I'm like. We've got three kids, you know. Prior to the Afghanistan pullout, I was like, not going to force them. They can make their own decisions. Obviously, I'd be super pumped if they did follow the fan you know keep the family tradition going so to speak you know um plus all the things that i think you know you that you benefit and then the draw and then the pullout happened and i was like i, I hope none of them go i hope none of them go and then i kind of quickly i don't want to say retracted that but i go if they want to go i'm not going to stop them but there is going to be a series of very frank conversations about yeah. you know hey the like don't don't drink the kool-aid you know what i mean like you know if you want to go because it's something you want to do then that's then go but if you want to go because you think you know it's going to be part of some you know i don't even know i can't even articulate it but it's i don't i don't want my kids to ever serve and then feel the way i felt watching that afghanistan withdrawal you know what i'm saying or or watching you know kind of the way iraq you know kind of ended up happening you know um and you guys know it you guys are, are feeling it right now the same way i'm feeling it like it's uh but my dad probably felt the same way after vietnam in 68 and he, oh i'm sure fucking worse dude he, way worse he could he couldn't have stopped me if you put a gun in my head you know, when I was 18, you know, and he couldn't stop my brother or sister from going either, you know, um, they're, they're four years younger than me. They're twins. They both did a couple tours and, uh, you know, so I don't know. It's, it's tough, man. It's a, it's a that's tough that genetic, that's that genetic component. That's what I'm talking about too, is that there's an underlying genetic component that builds these, these capabilities for, you know, a civilization to maintain itself. But then all of a sudden we're like, what do you do with that? Like, for example, I got two, I got two boys and uh, they're, you know, they're, you can see it already in them, you know, and what am I supposed to do with that? Right. It's especially, hard. Yeah. Especially to like, try to like hone it and maintain it. 
they need to they need to experience the monster um, in a way that you know I'm not saying that war is healthy, but you know there's a Dragon. there's a there's a specific infrastructure that allows that. Um, yeah, I just worry. I I think I worry. You know, I worry partly because of the conversations that I have that are not that are not maybe taking place you know with re- regular civilians who understand what's happening in the world and to me it's a lot more realistic it's a lot more real like like afghanistan for example i was i was there in 2017 like again it's still fucking fresh in my mind so it's like very difficult to let go even though i have the capability you know to you know to stop fight or flight with that activation um it's still fucking there um, it just, and this is part of the problem that I, that I have on a daily basis is I don't want to be connected as much because when you're connected, you take in so much, like you're doing all the analytics, right? You're going in, you're looking at situations you're, you're, you're taking from it. And then you're seeing all these patterns and you're fucking disgusted. Like every fucking thing is something negative. Right. And yep. it, it, so it's like. Part of that is I'm doing it to myself because I need a, I need a, I need a, I don't know how to back off yet, or maybe I do need to back off, and then I'll go through these bouts where I don't even want to get on social media or some type of news media. But then how am I supposed to stay informed as a citizen? Yeah, so. yeah, it's it right. It's hard, right? Like I, I turned the TV off three years ago. I turned the TV off three years ago. Um, I I turned Facebook off. Uh, you know a long so long ago i don't remember and uh i, I still do a fair amount of, of of instagram but to your point like you, you find yourself just getting kind of sucked into it and you know it, it's an addiction like anything else and it, all of like you said all of it's negative all of it's you know just kind of you know emotion porn if you will you know what i mean where it's you know and uh, uh man i the more I disconnect, um, the better I feel, you know, hands down, period, end of story. And another thing that I got into pretty heavily was um, like stoicism or, you know, the the philosophy of stoicism mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, uh, a lot of Ryan Holiday books, um, a lot of Alan Watts lectures, you know, a lot of uh, meditation, you know, um, I, I, I definitely find meditation helps a lot, you know, whether it's 10 minutes or 15 minutes a day, which, you know, isn't a long time, but you'd be surprised. And, but, but more importantly, it was the stoicism and kind of the teachings, you know, like the meditations of Marcus Aurelius, where it kind of, it, it just, it just go it, like the teaching, the bottom line is focus on what I have control of. And once you figure out that the only thing you really have control of is yourself, then it's like the weight kind of just melts. You know what I mean? And you have to constantly remind, you know, that's not saying I can't affect things or I shouldn't do endeavors that, you know, are for good, but everything that I'm receiving from everything, all five senses and, you know, everything that we got, like, I decide whether or not it makes me happy. It makes me sad. It makes me angry. Like I decide, like I have control over that. They don't, nothing else does. You know what I'm saying? Like minus getting kicked in the mouth. You know what I mean? Where you go from, you know what I'm saying? Like 
I have, you know, all things created equal. The only thing I truly have control over is how I respond to what I'm receiving. And there is great solace and peace in that, you know, mm-hmm. um, but it takes a tremendous, it's, it's a daily thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's a daily, you know, fuck it's, it's a minute, you know, by the minute thing, you yeah. know, and I find that once I, if I start to kind of lose sight of that, I don't keep that on the ticker tape. Then I start getting anxious or I start getting angry or I let things affect me in ways that, you know, that they, that they probably shouldn't. Right. And so that's been kind of my main effort since my experimental treatment where it kind of opened up and, you know, showed me that you're only being manipulated if you let yourself be manipulated, if that makes sense, you know, and um, not trying to sound like I'm smarter than the next guy or what have you. I'm just saying like that, that has been my main, that was the turning point for me. Like there was me before the experimental treatment, there was me after and after is, is a much, much, calmer, more at peace, less angry, you know, uh, you know, cooler, calmer individual, you know, um, and anybody that knows me well, will tell, will attest to the same, you know, um, and, uh, it's just, it's a daily thing, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a daily, that's where your main effort is. You know what I mean? Is reminding yourself that, you know, I am in control. Nobody else is in control of me, but me. Right. And then after that, everything kind of shit's just shit kind of buffs out. If that makes sense, you know? Sure. Uh. Yeah. yeah, no, I, um, yeah, not, not every day is like that. Um, uh, I got introduced to, um, psilocybin, uh, uh psilocybin assisted therapy and, that has done wonders in terms of like plasticity, neuroplasticity, and the neurogenesis uh, for my chain of thought. I've been applying certain wellness. So it's like actual biological model uh, to main, you know, to basically be balanced out, which um, one of the things, one of the things that I talk about when, with other Marines is, you know, the, the, the Marine Corps in general, and technically most of the armed forces is Aristotelian in nature. Uh, we have a virtue ethics template and Aristotle's virtue ethics template is is all about balance, right? You have the excessive, the deficiency, and then the the middle, which is the mean, right? And it's yep. all about balance. Yep. And, and those are easy, easy applicable things that we know inherently because it was, you know, taught to us, it was conditioned in us that we can apply. And once you figure out that process, that that those mechanics, it, it becomes a lot easier. But it takes like a level of, this is why I like cycling through microdosing. And there's like a, you know, there's a specific amount pill form that I take that allows that to happen. Um, where, where I have a difficulty is like the season, like, so starting in like February up to like September timeframe, I'm a pretty erratic, not erratic, but that's when the fighting season was. So it's like, that's when yep. my body is keeping that score. It's like this fight but yeah, yeah yeah that's fantastic man yeah that's fantastic and yeah that's uh that is definitely one of the things that i i hope they finally figure out is the way to go you know what i mean like it that is that is a solid answer you know what i mean that is a solid answer to you know i, I know tons of dudes you know obviously now yourself included that that is a 
much better alternative than the normal shit that they're pushing. You know what I mean? A much better alternative. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and it was really interesting too. We had a, me and Paul, we had a, a wonderful conversation uh, with a guy named Gary Hess who, who runs the, the veterans alternative of holistic uh, approaches. Uh, and he's, he's done a lot of legislation in terms of trying to turn that around uh, uh, from the T- uh, THC side of things, the cannabis side of things, all the way to the, the psychedelic side of things. And uh, he says something to me that sticks in my head, which I often phrase a lot. It's like, it's crazy that people have to become criminals in order to feel better or heal to recover. Right. Like that's fucking crazy. Yeah. It's yeah. Yeah. No shit, man. Yeah. It's I, God, but I, I think the tide is turning. I really do. I think the tide is turning and you know, I would be remiss. I would say for anybody that's listening, you know, uh, seek out um, uh, veteran solutions. If anybody's familiar with uh, veteran solutions they're you know, it's kind of the same, it's along the same track. Um, just helping hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people, um, you know, seek the alternative, you know what I mean? Seek the alternative and finally, you know, find peace and find solace and, you know, and kind of, like I said, not turn the page and forget, but, you know, be shown that it's, uh, you know, that was then this is now there is, uh, you know, the, the sun's going to come up tomorrow. You know what I mean? It, it, it's yeah. going to be okay. You know? Um, yeah. I, 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 I pray every day that that's, that becomes kind of the mainstream thing. And I, and I think we'll see it, you know, I think we'll see it because the data doesn't lie. You know what I mean? The data is yeah. not going to lie. They just don't have enough data yet. Yeah. I think they do. I just think it's a matter of controlling, right? I mean, you can't create variants from like, like psilocybin, like THC. And so once you have something like that, that's like life changing and life altering, unlike a psychotropic or, uh, you know, like a narcotic, you know, industries are going to essentially be disrupted. And yeah, they, yeah, they, but I mean, was it Rogan or who was I listening to the other day where they were talking about this, where it's almost like, it's almost like AI. Like if we, if we let big pharma get a hold of and regulate DMT and psilocybin and, you know, uh, ayahuasca and, you know, all this, you know, all these that are, you know, peyote, um, you know, ketamine, this is not like, imagine the harm they could do, you know? And then in the same breath, it's like, well, it can't be worse than the psychotropics, you know, and the crazy shit that they're pushing down everybody's throat right now, you know what I mean? Uh, or, or can it, I mean, you know, time will tell who would know, you know, it's a very interesting, you know, um, because of course I think it was Rogan was like, legalize all of it, let people go crazy. And, or the doctor was like, legalize all of it, let it go crazy. And Rogan was like, Hey man, once big pharma gets a hold of this, we're fucked, you know? And I don't know, man, it's, I don't. (laughs) Haven't they, who was it? Is it like Washington state? What state like decriminalized everything? It was either Oregon or Washington. I, yeah. Was it? I remember this was like a little while ago. I was like, damn, this is going to be interesting to see, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think so. I I think here in the next like five years, we'll see a lot more of it. I know um, the, the lady that I talked to who, uh, you know, the wizard that I talked to, um, 
there's a certain template that you can apply to the community where, you know, I think it's like three, only like three, two to three sessions of, 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 oh my God, was it MDMA? Yeah. Uh, has yeah. it like a 90 percentile uh, effectiveness of, you know, doing away with the trauma. Mm-hmm. Dude, what, yeah, that's that's amazing. I haven't done a full journey like that yet. I'm working my way to it. I've had some pretty cool microdosing experiences. Um, very spirit, spiritual. Um, yeah. One was kind of freaky, but uh, it, I mean, it, it it has it's done a lot. It's done a lot. Good for um, you, man. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I, wanna... I... Sorry, I didn't mean to cut in here, but I know we're we're kind of we can go as long as you want. But, you know, I, I don't want to skip by your at least your your schoolhouse uh, time there. So, yeah, man, um, where do we leave? Yeah, I just kind of wanted to get I don't know where we were at in the timeline. You coming back from the invasion deployment and then. You know, I was just kind of trying to bring it back on the rails career wise where you went from there. Schoolhouse. Yeah. Quantico Quantico schoolhouse. Um very, very fortunate to uh, be, be asked to be, or be, you know, you know, offered the, a position there. Um, I was right after the invasion. I went, and again, my, my timeline sucks. So I, did I don't you, know, did you have to, did you have to reenlist for that? So I, I did it kind of weird. So I had, I had a four year enlistment and then, man, how did it go? I had, a, I had my original four year, And then I did a two-year extension for like jump school or ranger school, or I asked for something. And then, because I was a school's uh, whore. I was a school's whore. I just, (laughs) I like every underwater underwater basket weaving, I don't care. Like, I'm not joking. Like I I did, you know, like I had every school imaginable. I couldn't get enough. Right. I just wanted to, uh, you know, I wanted to go to everything. And, uh, so yeah, I re I, I re up for two years, or did a two year extension. I don't think I got e- no, I didn't get either one of the two things I asked for because the invasion happened, and then after the you know like I got my reenlistment bonus for the two years or whatever. Um, and then yeah, after the invasion, they kind of uh, I had went through the advanced cyber school prior to the invasion, and that's that's kind of where they kind of picked out who was going to be an instructor, you know? And uh, so I had orders to Quantico prior to the invasion. Right. And then, so we did the invasion. And uh, when we got back, they were like, Hey, we're, you know, flute, we're turning right around. Like, I think one five did like a two month turnaround, you know, oh, something like, you know, something like that, because they went right back to Fallujah. Like maybe it was two months, maybe it was four. I can't remember, but wasn't, you know, it was quick. Yeah. And uh, that was kind of like, that was another big decision point. It was like, do you want to go back or do you want to go to Quantico? And at the time I was like, well, are we going back for sure? Because if it's positive, if it's a hundred percent, then I want to go back. But if it's not a hundred percent, then I'm not going to miss this opportunity to, to go to Quantico and teach. And of course, like everything, it wasn't a hundred percent. Yeah. So I decided to go to Quantico and I, I don't know how long I was there, but it wasn't very long. And they ended up going back, you know, and uh, 
that was kind of like a fuck, you know, mm. like, did I make the right decision? Did I not? I felt bad because obviously my team went back, you know, obviously everybody bumped up in the, in the structure, so to speak. And uh, they did me a lot of salads by calling me and rubbing it in, you know, any chance they got, you know, um, which was fantastic. But, uh, you know, I, I'm not big on quote unquote regrets. I don't, you know, I, I made my decision and, and my decision was it was what it was. But, yeah, got to got to Quantico and taught there for probably longer than I should have. And uh, and it was fantastic. It was my, you know, one of the the second best experience that I had in the Marine Corps minus the invasion. And uh, I, I was very, very fortunate to be there for as long as I was. Learned a ton and uh, got exposed to a lot of things that um, because it's Quantico, uh, you, you know, your, your guys at division school, you know, um, probably don't get exposed to because it's a little bit more of a of a meat grinder at first Mardiv, second Mardiv, third Mardiv, you know, they're... <laughs> The inside instructor joke was, you know, you guys are out there in Quantico fucking around and we're out here training students, you know, <laughs> they weren't wrong. <laughs> you know, we only ran one basic course a year, you know, um, so we weren't exactly pulling our weight, but, uh, you know, managing the doctrine in the curriculum, you know, liaison with all of the three letters, you know, uh, you know, being right there close to headquarters, you know, it was always kind of a... It, I mean, the, the people that would knock on the door to that schoolhouse, like you just never knew, you never knew who was going to come to that schoolhouse. Like whether it was dudes from NASA, you know what I mean? Like on multiple occasions. Uh, so wait, you're teaching all these fucking different groups of people, the, the, the skill set or you, no, no. So it, it was like, it was the hub, right? So for instance, this one guy came from NASA and he was like a double doctorate, you know, optometrist. And, you know, he was doing the study or had these Oakleys that would record what people saw oh, shit. and all this shit. Right. And he wanted us to wear them while we were watching for the sniper students, you know, to be part of this study. And you just, I mean, endless amounts of just, you know, it could be HRT dudes, you know, from FBI HRT being like, Hey, come over here and, help us do X, Y, and Z. Like we're building urban hides or, you know, right. you just never knew who was going to knock on the door. But fucking Tom Berenger came knocking on the door when I was at the advanced course. Cause they were, you know, the gunny at the time was helping them film sniper eight yeah. or whatever, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Like, you know, just crazy shit like that, you know? So it was a cool, it was a cool place to be. And we busted his balls too. Like <laughs> I, I would 100%. I think it was sniper two or sniper three. And, I was in the advanced course at the time. I wasn't even on staff yet. And we were all on a smoke break hanging out. And uh, all of a sudden this guy walks up, you know, from the parking lot and my platoon sergeant goes, Holy shit. He goes, that's Tom Berenger. You know, of course everybody stops and looks, you know, and uh, we're like, what's up? You know, everybody's, you know, peacock and, you know, jarheads, you know, what's up. And he's like, well, I'm looking for gunny so-and-so. And I don't want to name him because I, you know, I don't have his permission, but, uh, we're like, yeah, he's inside. And uh, somebody goes, yeah, I loved you in major league range me, <laughs> you know, and just started busting his shops, you know, and, you know, I just, you know, just giving him shit, you know, and, uh, and of course he laughed and it was cool. We, we he hang out, he hung out on the range, but yeah, Quantico was an interesting place to work, man. Cause you were kind of, you know, you just never knew who was going to come knocking and asking for, for God knows what, you know, so yeah. you, you got a lot of experience in a short amount of time, 
you know, um, say nothing about, you know, the, the, the honor um, of teaching the students, whether it be the advanced course, you know, we you know, basic course, we had one advanced course and we had the sniper employment officer course, you know, where we were teaching the young lieutenants, you know, the Intel lieutenants, what they could expect out of the Marines. If they came to a battalion that was, you know, where the state platoon fell under Intel, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it was great, man. It was fantastic. You know, um, it was a fantastic experience and uh, I had a super good crew of dudes. Most of the dudes that I was there at the schoolhouse, I'm still with to this day, you know, which is, you know, very, very uncommon, you know, cause I got there in 03, I left in 07 and uh, yeah, most, you know, I'm within arm's reach of the majority of those dudes still to this day. So it's, you know, once again, we're really fortunate to, to have that experience. Oh yeah. Dude, no, that's sick. I mean, I can't, yeah, I know you kind of like touched on it, but you know, when the force redesign and all that, I'm like, how the fuck did 0317 not play a part in this? This sounds like exactly like what we need more of, like everyone just needs to be that almost, you know, it's like, right. (laughs) I just, I don't, it's just fucking crazy, but loitering munitions. What's that? loitering munitions have changed everything yeah they'll yeah they'll they'll find they'll find a way you know pretty soon we'll all be obsolete you know what i mean yeah right (laughs) yeah yeah it'll be it'll be robots it'll be skynet but uh so after that so after your time teaching and everything What'd you do? Cause you stayed in for a little bit, right? Was it another another enlistment or. Yeah. So I, uh, and that two year was up. I did, I did another four. Yeah. I did another four cause I I was there from Oh three to Oh seven. And so right again, right at the tail end of that, um, they came up. So my plan was always to end up in reconnaissance in the reconnaissance MOS, but my, my sniper, you know, pathway just kind of took me and remember I was an E5 for seven years. So, um, it, it, that ended up working out perfectly right up until they came out. It was, you know, it was right after debt one, you know, first and second force, they lowered the flags first and second Marsoc and they're ringing them dudes out like a wet towel. And they, my plan was to finish my time there at the schoolhouse and then lap move over to, to reconnaissance. And cause I hadn't picked up E6 yet, but I was super close. Right. And, uh, I actually got in zone for E6 almost, you know, to the minute where they came out with this Mar admin, where they said no e- senior E5 or E6 lap moves to 0321. Right. And I was like, Oh shit. You know, like that, that doesn't work. You know what I mean? Like, it's like the big Lebowski, like that's not going to work. That fucks up our plan. You know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, you know what I mean? And uh, so, but because I was in Quantico and I had kind of some, influential friends in some influential places and i had those relationships i you know there's no better way to put it i i kind of weaseled my way in you know and i ended up going to brc and ended up lap moving um after about a year and a half of some you know kind of up in the air uh time where i was just kind of training and going to schools but then i ended up over in okinawa with uh third reconnaissance battalion and uh, did a greenside, did a force platoon, um, 
had a pretty, you know, uh, pretty unique experience on a Mew that I talked about on another podcast where I got kicked off the Mew um, off the coast <laughs> of Thailand. And uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I did my time there at third and got selected for Gunny after about two years. Damn. And I, I just, everybody gets to the point where they've kind of, I don't want to say you unplug from the matrix, but having been through the invasion, having taught at Quantico and then wanting to, you know, continue the, the efforts in either Iraq or Afghanistan, it was very, very hard for me to go back to the, the Mew mentality. And that's not me shitting on a Mew because obviously they play a fucking crucial role in global stability, but, uh, there was just a lot of personality conflicts and um, I was already kind of teetering towards getting out because it, you know, the grass isn't always greener. Like once I got to the reconnaissance community, I was, I wasn't disappointed, but I wasn't fulfilled to the fullest extent, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, uh, and that's not, I mean, I, I love the fact that I was in the community. I love the fact that I've, I've got the t-shirt of the hoodie and all that shit. And I love the dudes that I was there with, but um I'd almost just kind of ranked out, you know, like I had ranked out of the fun stuff, if that makes sense. Yeah. And uh, so I just started looking other places and I had a bunch of buddies from my, my staple tune and, and uh, my Quantico time that were into some other stuff in the contracting world. And I just started making phone calls and uh, I said, Hey, I'm, I'm at 14 or excuse me. I'm at 12, you know, for like 11 years and eight months by the time everything was said and done. Um, if I go over 12, that's kind of over the falls. You know what I mean? Um, some people would say 10, but at 12, I was like, I, I, I think I, I think I've had enough. You know what I mean? Like if all there is left to do is, you know, possibly get another, you know, a couple combat deployments as a platoon sergeant or a company gunny, I, I wasn't interested in that really, you know, like staff academy, this and ops chief that, like, I just wasn't, you know what I mean? Like, I still felt like a team leader at heart, if that makes sense. You yeah. know, everybody wants to be a team leader for their entire life. Like, I, <laughs> yeah, right. I, ever, I get it. You know what the I mean? Brits, like, the not, Brits have it right, man. <laughs> the Brits, yeah. Yeah, the Brits have it. They almost probably, they've cracked 20, 20 year Lance Corporals, man. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, so, yeah, I just kind of made the decision. You know, I made the decision that I, I was just, I was just kind of going to make the leap and see what happens, you know, and, uh, probably the scariest time of my, of my life. You know what I mean? Um, you know, because I was, I had, I had gone all in, man. Like I, I would have been a Brit, like if they did at 18, if they just said here, sign this 25 year contract, I couldn't have signed it fast enough. You know what I mean? Like they'd have had me forever. Um, but, uh, he's, I kind of started to see the sailboat in the mall, if that makes sense. You know, like once I kind of started to see that, it, it, you know, the big machine, you know, I, I just, I started to be, become disenfranchised. Like there's a war over here. We're worried about stupid shit. You know, I was waving the bullshit flag left and right, you know, and uh, highly combative, highly disgruntled. You know, all I cared about was the, uh, was, was my, the Marines. Um, and uh, so I got out, you know, I just made the decision. My wife had got out uh, a couple months earlier, maybe a year earlier. Um, um, she was working over uh, at headquarters, you know, just camis one day, you know, pantsuit the next type of deal into the GS, into the GS meat grinder. And uh, like I said, a bunch of close buddies in the contracting world. And 
although they didn't go full open kimono, obviously over the phone, but they said enough to where I was interested. And uh, they set me on the right path for that. And, uh, and I've been on that path ever since. And, you know, that's, that's kind of, that's where we're at, you know, and I'm, I'm still on it right now. So yeah. it's, uh, yeah, it, <laughs> it's been good. It's been interesting, you know, um, surrounded by lots of good dudes, you know, hunger for knowledge, always trying to push the envelope. And uh, the only thing I know for sure is I don't know anything at all, <laughs> you know, and uh, it's, you know, th things I thought were facts yesterday are, you know, completely, you know, debunked, you know, tomorrow. And uh, it's just kind of, you know, just kind of enjoying the adventure. You guys mainly work like precision fire stuff. I know you're, if you want to get into like your companies, you were telling me about your, you do. Uh... Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. No, yeah. Nomadic research, uh, a couple, a, a teammate of mine from over in Afghanistan, he, he left the community, God, I don't know when, but it, it's been a minute ago. And uh, he called me up out of the blue and said, hey, I'm I'm looking for something else. I'm looking to do, you know, kind of our own thing if you're interested. So, you know, Matt and I, he, he was a team guy forever. And then, uh, you know, on the on the contract side, lots of experience, super good dude. Um, I said, yeah. I said, what do you need for me? He says, I don't need anything. I just I just I need your Labrador like loyalty. And I was like, I'm in, you know, and yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we, we, we started nomadic research and, uh, you know, clothing, outdoor apparel, you know, jackets, uh, you know, hoodies, hats, uh, we, we've got a bunch of travel, uh, accessories, you know, just things to make your life easier when you're, when you're on the go, you know what I mean? Um, I encourage everybody obviously take a look at that. And then I started 10, which is a, you know, my, my consulting, uh, business. So whether it's local law enforcement or federal law enforcement or, what have you. And then I have a couple products that I push um, that were designed that would specifically help, you know, special mission units, you know, accomplish their job in, in a more efficient manner. Um, so obviously I push that. I don't advertise it, but I uh, obviously, if you're in the know, you know, air fingers quote, yeah. um, it, it, but just trying to keep as many irons in the fire, right. It's, you know, I, I'm doing this today. Who knows what I'll be doing tomorrow? You know, kind of going all the way back to the tombstone. Like what's my tombstone going to say at the very end, mm. you know, um, trying to stay as diversified as possible, you know, um, whether it's taking flight lessons or learning how to fly drones or, you know, Hey, let's, you know, let's, let's go to the, you know, a language Academy for six weeks and do a full immersion or something, you know, like just always trying to keep, you know, as many doors or pathways open as humanly possible you know, to, and, and obviously helps me keep my mind occupied. And, you know, uh, for, for a sniper, you know, I, I don't deal with boredom very well. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I like to stay busy, you know? Um, so yeah, I've always, you know, I just try and keep as, as, as much on the table as I can, you know? Um, and, uh, yeah, Matt and I have had a, uh, you know, it's been a tremendous learning experience. You know, we're super proud of all of our products, you know, but it, it you know, it, it's a slow burn and we're grinding it out and just, you know, doing what guys like us do, you know, which is not take a no for an answer and just keep pushing forward and all that good shit, you know, and I've always said, Hey man, I, I'm not trying to shop for helicopters. You know what I mean? I just, I want to make good products for good people doing good shit. I, I want to be, have a positive impact no matter where I'm at or what I'm doing. You know what I mean? Like, even if it's, even if it's a, a personal experience, like does that individual walk away from me being like, man, 
that was painful or fuck that fucking guy. Or does that, you know, does that individual walk away and go, man, that guy's all right. He made me laugh. He seems like, you know, like he seems like a good dude yeah. or whatever, you know what I mean? Like I, I, that that's step one. And then everything else falls in behind that. You know what I mean? Um, it's, it's kind of cliche as that sounds, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, like I said, me before the experimental treatment, me after the experimental treatment. And I just try and stay me after the experimental treatment, you know, and it seems to be working out so far. Yeah. I like that. I like your no regrets attitude. I feel like I live by that. You know, you know, there's not much you can do about, about things after they're done, you know, but but yeah, you're you're on. Don't feel. I feel like I say so much cliche shit a lot of times too, just because I like you know. I feel like some things that you like gravitate towards, you just want to absorb all of it. So you just like, I need to not forget any of this, so it just sticks with me. And then you fucking radiate it, and you're like, I'm. I have to be annoying to people. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't shut the fuck up ever. And they're like, All right, dude, we get it. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. But I'm. But I, but yeah, I yeah. I appreciate all that, and it's fucking. No, it's legit. I got kind of a funny question. I don't. Maybe it's kind of inappropriate, but I feel like you guys. I feel like you guys have to like piss yourselves when you're in hides a lot, right? Is that true? It's uh, I mean, it, I'm not saying it's. <laughs> I'm just saying I feel like there's situations where you just there, you're there, and you just piss. I'm I'm not saying it's the preferred SOP. <laughs> um, <laughs> I I definitely have. I de- I don't think I ever just did the the, you know, what was it, Lloyd and Harry? You know, just yeah. go, man. Just go, man. <laughs> right, right, right. I don't think I ever. <laughs> You know, um, I definitely did a couple times where instead of leaning all the way over, I just kind of leaned over and sure. <laughs> maybe 20, maybe 20% of it got where it needed to go. And the rest of it was, you know, on me type of deal. Um, I, uh, yeah, it's, it depends on the person. It depends on the situation. And, you know, some guys are like, fuck this. I'm going to go take a piss. Right. And other guys are like, negative right <laughs> i'm just i'm just gonna go you know um i yeah the uh, you know funny story uh during the invasion of baghdad and it it wasn't number one it was number two we, we when we first got to our position in one of the, the our rooftop positions in uh in baghdad it was kind of a kinetic scenario to say the least and uh and you guys will know what I'm saying. Everybody who's been there knows what I'm talking about. One armor a day, I don't give a shit. Like, I don't care. It just hit me right now. Like, it's happening right now. You know, at the most inopportune time, at the most inopportune time. Yeah. And had a gopher I, in you. <laughs> it, well, yeah. I mean, it's coming. Like, it's coming right now. And uh, I stopped dead in my tracks right where I was at and let it go and uh you know and, and buttoned up and, and got back on it well we were the we were the first ones up there on the rooftop and we were obviously focus locked on what was going on in front of us but i did hear you know all the officers or a lot of the officers because it was one of the only buildings that you could get elevation and actually see what was going on <laughs> so they it didn't take them long to figure it out so in comes half of the battalion staff and they had oh, to shit. step up and I heard one of them go, holy fuck, one of them already took a shit up here. 
<laughs> yeah. I was like, that was me. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know, like I didn't have a choice, you know? Um, and uh, yeah, <laughs> so to tell on my, because they had to step over, you know, they had to step over it to get, yeah, you know, yeah. Oh man, it was uh you, you know, can't fucking take Marines anywhere, dude. They're just gonna yeah. shit and fucking Yeah, it, I just I mean I didn't want I didn't want it to happen. It just you know right. I, yeah yeah when, you, when it's when it's time, it's fucking time. And <laughs> I was scared all the you know, like there was a lot of shit going on. So it was I, I I'm lucky I got out of it, you know, the way I got out of it. <laughs> but uh <laughs> yeah, yeah. So half pissed myself, but you know there's yeah. there's that that was always a question for me um when i was a boot or just going through the process of like how am i gonna take a shit or a piss <laughs> that I, the, seriously um and when we did when we did uh afghanistan on on july the 4th the company uh commander got everyone uh a kebab and yeah. i didn't realize that the meat was gonna fuck everyone up oh yeah, yeah. Mind you, we had just flown oh into this God. fucking su- supposed hot LZ. It was like the invasion <laughs> helo bringing us in. Yeah. And they're like, we're all fucking, everybody's carrying <laughs> so much shit. And we're outside of this compound because they're buying this compound from these people, right? 200 bucks. So so we're like out there for like two <laughs> hours waiting for them to like get their personal belongings out of the fucking house. And anyway, it wasn't kinetic like that. Our, our infill wasn't what it was supposed to be. So we're all just in this fucking hut, like a platoon plus gun trucks, everything. They drove up from fucking main base. Nothing happened up there. And like he's talking about July 4th, this was, so we went in on the second, two days later, company commanders, like, you know, we're going to get, so would they go down to the fucking market and get, you know, goat meat, whatever it was everybody's fucking pissing out of their ass dude oh for sure we, we had no they kept bringing hsts of like water we had a mountain of water that was just out in the sun no <laughs> wag bags no nothing else didn't bring mras nothing just water for like and we're like okay enough fucking water it was every 30 minutes hst <laughs> so we're like anyway we're eating this shit no wag bags so they send a patrol down back into the market to get clear like lunch bags or just these non-zip type clear bags. And this is where we are in an ammo crate just filling these up with liquid, dude. <laughs> it was so bad. It's my, bad, right? My first patrol in Afghanistan was me pissing dysentery out of my ass. Oh. And, I, and I could not. I, they're like, do you want to stop? Set up a cordon so, we, so you can shit. And I was like, no. I'm not getting killed like this, bro. Just go. Yeah, right, yeah. But it was so hot that my ass got washed from my sweat. <laughs> so I came back clean. Dude, it got to the point for a lot of us because most patrols, you would end up patrolling through a canal that was waist deep and they shit and piss in those canals. So half of us were just pissing our own pants because sure, we're like, sure. uh, right before the before you get in the canal, just piss it out so we don't have to stop. And then, yeah. you know. I love it. As, yeah, problem solved, right? Next problem. Right. Yeah. We, uh, we, uh, <laughs> I, I wasn't the only one that, well, I shouldn't say I wasn't the only one that had the same problem I had, but we, I don't know if it was five minutes or, or f- fucking five hours later, but they came over the net. They came over the net I, like there's still fighting going on it's still a shit show everybody you know there's everybody's shooting in every direction yada yada and not to like no shit there i was but it was fucking crazy and all of a sudden over the net i hear like attention on the net 
stop shitting like one of the marines <laughs> one of the marines had and this is my you know interpretation of this comms traffic that i heard because it was like whoever shit like one marine had ran into the presidential palace and ran up and found like airfingers quote saddam's master bedroom or whatever and laid cable on like the pillow like and then they found it like the brass found it you know like there was one individual Marine that was like, fuck all this combat. I'm going to go shit on Saddam's pillow. And when the brass found it, they made a fucking, you know, attention on the net, like stop shitting everywhere. Whoever, you know, <laughs> like, whoever shit in the master bedroom, like I couldn't believe what was, you know, like, and then of course we were busy, but things you don't forget. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was, <laughs> That's, those are the like, stories I love, dude. Cause it's like, <laughs> Like, I want to meet that guy. Like, who was that guy? Yeah. You know I mean? did, like, did, did anybody find out who it was? Or is he secret still? Oh, fuck. I don't know. That's shit. Like, you know, he's just smiling at night, dude. When he goes to bed, <laughs> knowing he did that. Yeah. Should have gave him a silver star. You know dude. what I mean? You know? Oh, yeah, yeah. He deserves it. It's, uh, it's, That's it's, the right message to send. <laughs> yeah. Take that. You know? Um, yeah. It's crazy, man. Like. And you guys had it, you know, you guys, uh, and I often thought about this, like, you know, we, we moved so fast and so hard. And so whatever, like, we, you know, we didn't have the experience you guys had over there. You know what I mean? Like with the eyes, like we, one of my family members, you know, was KIA from on patrol, you know, stepping on, right. you know, you know, like that type of deal. Like, right? and uh, you know, it was, uh, you know, having to go like, it, it, you know, much respect obviously it, it we didn't have to deal with that you know at least not the time i was there you know um we didn't really have the ids you know what i'm saying you know that didn't come till later you know we didn't uh, uh we you know we didn't have the extended patrols i'm not saying that didn't happen you know later on but in my experience you know um the things that you guys had to deal with uh I, I think about that often, you know what I mean? Because when I went to Afghanistan in the capacity, I went there, you know, not foot patrolling, you know, squad size, platoon size element, you know, you know, fire team size element having to, you know, we just, I just didn't have to experience that, you know, and that was, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that was no, no easy lift, you know? I think that's something. Cause I, I think like that too. In, in the opposite way, you know, because it's like, I think <clears throat> knowing you've been there and, and been through certain circumstances, you like to think about what it would have been like to be on the, you know, on the other side of it or not on the other side of it, but like, you know, I get what you're saying. Just like I was thinking about going into Ramadi, like what the fuck was this like for these guys? Because we didn't experience that type of fucking combat we got. <clears throat> and I, and I reference it a lot. Like, there's a range in Lejeune called Fox five and it's a fucking platoon rush range. It's like fucking 200 meters of bounding squad. You have, you know, support by fire machine guns, go set up, do the whole deal. And we would run this fucker all the time. Like every deployment you do it like two or three times Fox five. And like in Afghanistan, a lot of us got into like ticks that were that like bounding and open fucking. And it's like, holy shit, the training made sense. Mm -hmm. I didn't think it was going to. Like, it didn't in Iraq. It would have never in Iraq. And 
I'm sure a lot of the early units like did Fox five type ranges and it didn't fucking apply there. Well, it applied in Afghanistan and we had been doing that type of shit, you know, golf six with another one, like a squad fucking rush. And it's like, I'm up. They see me. I'm down. We fucking yep. did that. Like with micro terrain as, as that's it. That's all you have. <clears throat> so that to me was kind of like, a, Oh, I guess, you know, training did make sense. It was worth it. It's a lot different when, when rounds are coming in though. Sure, yeah, you yeah. know, it's fucking, it's stupid, but we all know that, you know, <laughs> but it, I, I, like you said, like, I think about that, those earlier times, like what the fuck that would have been like, because it's like, I think it's just because you can, you feel like you can relate to it. Like if you, if you've lived through this circumstance and you felt like you came out of the other side, okay with it, you're like, oh, well, I wonder what else I, I could endure too, you know? Sure. Which is, which is, I think it's a good way to think, you know, it's, it, means it means you're paying attention and you're invested in it. So. Um, yeah, absolutely. But, but yeah, yeah, those are. I don't fucking miss the defense weeks, though. I don't know what you guys did over in fucking West Coast. I know Jose was fucking East Coast, but fucking Chiggers, man. Chiggers and, and Lejeune are terrible. I used to <laughs> I used to scratch my legs on purpose so that I could give myself, like, scabs so that I could just, like, show <laughs> the doc, you know, how miserable <laughs> I was. I'm like... Yeah, but yeah, but anyway, I don't know. I think going through the, all that shit, like that's what that's what. It's all character building, you know. It's ritual, man. It's yeah. ritual. Yeah, hundred percent. I uh, yeah, I, I agree one hundred percent. It's you know it, it's there was good, there was bad, there was the best, there was the worst, and uh, you know um. I wouldn't trade it for anything. And, uh, you know, yeah, I'll, I'll always be super, super, you know, happy and, and look back on, on those times with, uh, with, you know, kind of a reverence, but fond memories, you know, um, I just, the only thing I ever, if I let myself kind of dwell on and Afghanistan was no different, even though I was there in a much different capacity, it's like, what, what, what were we, what were we doing? You know what I mean? Like, what did it mean? Did it mean anything? Did it mean nothing? You know, we already are touched on that. Like we know it didn't, we know it wasn't for nothing. You know what I'm saying? But it's, you know, what did it accomplish? You know? Um, and I don't think we'll personally, you know, on an individual scale, it, it accomplished quite a bit, you know what I'm saying? Depending on the person, you know, good, good or bad. Um, and everything in between, but in the grand scheme of things, you know, it's like, what, what did we accomplish? Yes. There hasn't been any terrorist attacks since we, you know, since we, we started, but, but, you know. Yeah. Um, and I, I from my experience, you know, in, in the platoon I was, I was with, I actually ended up f uh, filling in for Sergeant Garrison, who was, Jose's squad leader in 2011 who got KIA in 2009 I was a 51 weapons attachment for another platoon half of his squad gets sent back for a bullshit reported fucking people shooting unarmed people type deal 
half of their squad gets relieved. So they pull weapons, platoon attachments. We build the rest of his squad back. <clears throat> One of the first patrols we went out in, in town, we had a guy, we had a, we had a not so great engineer attached to us, but he knew how to run the sweeper found command wire like within 15 minutes of going out on patrol squad leader was an invasion guy too sergeant g he just pulls the wire up clips it with his multi-tool we keep going we find you know personnel in the little village it's that we want to talk to we have a terp with us and this it, this is what kind of kind of shook me from Iraq and Ramadi because that was basically like humanitarian type stuff we were doing. So we interacted with the people all the time. Like they knew us mm. and they, you know, it was, it was a relatively peaceful deployment except for a few pretty big events that happened. But dealing with the Iraqis was fucking so different than the Afghanis because the first group of people we engaged and talked to were like, I can't even talk to you. Because Taliban live here and they're watching this right now. As soon as you leave here, they're going to come to my house. They might fucking kill my son. They might kill, you yep. know, do whatever. And like after that first patrol, I remember talking to the other team leaders and our squad leader. And I was like, how the fuck are we going to do this? Like, right. how, how are we going to be able to gain any type of ground here? And it was cha very challenging for us because they didn't oh. want to, they didn't want to work with us. They were like, if you can't leave somebody here to watch my family, then I can't talk to you, you yep. know? And yep. yeah, and I get it, man. I, uh, I, I think it was my, after my first month in Afghanistan, um, I looked at somebody and I was like, somebody had been there for a long time. And I was like, man, tell me if I'm wrong here. I go, but we're either going to be here for the rest of our lives, like generational yeah. occupation, this is just America 2.0 or, you know, like, you know, the Roman empire type of shit, or we should just leave right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like in, because it's, you know, defining a uh, victory or, you know, defining an end state, you know, after a month, I was like, this is what the fuck are we doing? You know what I mean? Like, don't get me wrong. I want to be here and I want to do it, but what, like, tell me what the end is. Right. You know, and then obviously years and years, years later, we kind of see, you know, um, and I'm, I'm not happy. I'm right. You know what I mean? Like nobody's happy because I'm not the only person that came to that conclusion, obviously, but yeah, it's a very, it's a very difficult, it's a very difficult and unique kind of country and situation. And, you know, um, yeah, it's, yeah, it was it's weird too cuz like and that's why I'm grateful a lot a lot of the times for like social media and how you can connect with people because like years later I forget how I shared something with one of like goons up one of the big, you know, the machine gun uh, you know, big page on Instagram, some photos and uh some kid like ended up getting in touch with me who was with like 13 I think. So we got ripped up by 22, they got ripped up by somebody and then 13 was like this was like two or three years later. So this is like 2012-ish time frame. And he's sending me fucking Google Earth snapshots of the locations of all the PBs just to like confirm it was the same AO we worked in. And he was like, dude, we didn't fucking hardly see shit that whole deployment. And I was like, no way. You know, because it just didn't seem like an area that could have ever, you know, we could have 
ever gained ground there. And he was like, man, it got to a point where like we had the, the civilians in the villages coming at night to the PVs or OPs and saying, Hey, there's fucking IEDs here. And they would go find them and dig them up. And I'm like, Holy shit. Like that's, that's, that's progress. Right. And I'm like, and of course he kind of like shit on me and he's like, yeah, we learned a lot of lessons from your guys's mistakes. And I'm like, I'm like, what does that mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. That's the, that's the advantage that the United States has uh, is that of, I mean, outside of our like coalition forces, you know, who fought with us for the past 20 years, you know, the, the global stage, their armies aren't as, you know, finesse so to say with all this lessons learned kind of shit right so that's like the the tactical advantage that we have over our well russia's learning the hard way right right they sure Uh, are uh yeah it's amazing man and and yeah one of you guys mentioned it like where you know and i knew personally and i'm sure you guys did too like you know master sergeant master guns or recently retired dudes that were just starting to contract and yeah, my son's over here. He's right down, you know, he's, you know, he's, over, you know, we're here, he's over there on deployment. And I can remember looking at the one guy in particular being like, bro, bro, you know, what does that say? You know what I mean? Like your kid is here on his second yeah. deployment, you know, like we've, we've been here for a minute, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy when you sit back and, and think about it like that, you know, there that's uh a lot of lessons learned, you know, a lot, of, like you said, a lot of generational, you know, knowledge passed down and, you know, it's uh, hopefully we don't lose it. You know what I mean? Um, hopefully we don't, hopefully we don't lose it and hopefully we don't have to use it, you know, in the near future. Yeah. You know, Cause I don't know if anybody's got the fucking stomach for it, you know, <clears throat> and I wouldn't blame them if they didn't. Yeah, man. And that's the truth too. Like regardless of anybody's opinion or viewpoint or, how they feel after the fact or whatever else. Like I've defended so many of my peers on saying like, if without this, their fucking life would be nothing. I know dudes personally that like fucking rode snowmobiles four hours to the recruiting office, dude. Like they would, they would have, I don't want to say if you don't serve, like your life's not worth shit, but they, they had the calling and they fucking made it happen regardless what they had to do. Like, they fucking at least they saw it through like they have some type of fucking you know dedication to something and that's like you know honor courage commitment that's fucking moto cliche shit but it's fucking true if you do it and you like embody that you know yeah absolutely i think you live with that forever um yeah i agree and i i uh yeah you're post 9-11 you're post 9-11 guys and gals um you know I joined up to the Marine Corps because I I watched too many Rambo movies and my whole family's jarheads, you know, and that's all I wanted to do was check that box. Right. You know, but post nine 11, where, you know, without a shadow of a doubt, and I don't care if you're a cook maker, candlestick maker, you know what I mean? When you know, without a shadow of a doubt that you're going like, that's fucking badass. You know what I'm saying? Like, and you have these, younger kids that you know during the time you know before the withdrawal that would like approach me and be like oh man you know you're fucking this and that or whatever and i'm like dude give your i'm not shit like i just happened to be in the right place at the right time you knew what was happening like you got bigger you got bigger wasa than i'll ever have you know what i'm saying because you knew and you still went you know like 
that's fucking rad. You know what I mean? Like that's American as shit. You know what I mean? Those are good people, you know, but uh, yeah, it's, it's a tough nut to crack because it doesn't, uh, you know, there's always, there's always good and bad to all of it. You know, they're just yeah, for sure. It's, it's the gift that keeps on giving, <laughs> yeah. so to say. I mean, really. <laughs> but, yeah. but yeah, man, I appreciate you chatting with us. Uh, not to cut it, you know, cut it off or anything. But if no, you put any- a bow on it. This, this has been yeah, fantastic. it's fucking been great. It's been real. I like shit like this because you know, um, I think having guys like you on, you know. I know you digitally. That's it. Cause a, cause a homie of mine is a homie of yours and that's worth something, you know, with, you know, around here. Uh, but yeah, having guys like you on that fucking will dig deep a little bit and fucking share some shit makes a difference. It, this isn't, you know, there's no fucking bravado. This isn't fucking ego stroking shit. And I think that gets twisted up with, with, you know, guys that talk about things is like, you know, I'm no weak bitch. I know you aren't. I can tell you aren't. I know Jose personally, you know, been with them for a while and we're not trying to look like cool guys out here. We're just, yeah, trying, we're yeah. just trying to talk about fucking real shit and real issues that the community faces. Jose says it all the time. Nobody's trying to be a savior, but opening up a little bit and letting people know what, what you've gone through and what you still deal with, whether you're fucking pouring it out, pouring it out every day. doesn't mean you don't still have it inside you. Sure. Um, that's a big deal. And I think this probably can help, help some yeah. motherfuckers out there or, unless, or, or at least get homies to come chat with us. Cause it, you know, we like doing this shit. It's fun. So yeah, it is. It's fantastic. Yeah. And like I told you on the phone, you know, it, it's, if somebody, you know, if somebody hears this and goes, yeah, man, you know, or what, you know, if, if it's, you know, uh, if it connects, you know, because a lot of times I think uh, that's the problem is guys can't look to the left and the right like they could when we were in, you know, you, you kind of feel isolated and it's, you know, when you're so connected and then there's that, you know, feeling of isolation, you know, unless you're one of those guys that just lives at the VFW, you know, or what have you, you know what I mean? Um, so if somebody's listening to this and it helps, then absolutely that's you know we did the right thing um i really appreciate the opportunity and it was it was a blast i i uh i enjoyed it guys thank you very much thank you appreciate it thank you for your time man reach out anytime if i can help i will